0: Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Crack Drill Podcast, episode 17. Um, It's been ages. I knew it would be ages. I can't fucking keep to my time anymore. It's way more difficult to do now. Uh, With working and with being sick as balls, so... That makes things a lot more difficult. Uh, I should mention as well, the window is open in here. um, So you might hear some outside shit because it's fucking roasting. Um... Of course, it's fucking nearly summer. It's basically summer now, actually. What, what year is it? I don't know what year is it. We all know what fucking year it is, but what month? It's May, so heading into June, it's going to be fucking sweltering for the next while. And actually, yeah, time is completely fucked as well. It was about fucking 20 to 11 last night. I thought it was only about 7 o'clock. So, uh, as Matthew McConaughey once said, time's a flat circle. Um, I was initially, a few weeks ago, I was just talking about... Uh, my main plan was to talk about... Uh, the stuff I didn't get to review last time but I, I've written reviews for all them on the Crack trail page so I'm not arsed to talk about them again usually I might talk about them on this and then do a full review on Crack trail, but I've already written all of them so I'm not going to bother my arse talking about them instead I'm going to talk about a list that I intended to do months ago uh, not too long after I did my best films of the decade this was a, almost going to be a, a short list of movies that Could have made it onto that top 100. But I was kind of toying with a few different ideas. And I decided what I'd do is just do top... See, it was originally going to just be 20. And then I found about 40. So it's going to be top 40 overlooked movies. So rather than movies that just didn't make the cut. Which could be really big, popular movies. Like the other Planet of the Ace movies I didn't mention and whatnot. um, This is just going to be 40 movies that I think didn't get enough attention or... Were just. They kind of came and went. Or whatever. So there's going to be some rarities in here. And there's going to be some stuff. You might have heard of. Some stuff you hopefully haven't heard of. That you want to seek out. But I enjoy all of these movies. However. I'm going to talk about a couple of things first. Um, first is. Now I don't know too much about it. I've only heard about it today. Because like, I was wondering. I was freaking out thinking. That there was going to be another series of Curb. And Barry announced. Now I, I know Barry will probably continue anyway. Curb. Probably likely to continue. At least I fucking hope it is. But the thing that kind of made me realise it might not be that is the fact that Game of Thrones also did this on their Facebook page. They all put up a new profile picture with this purple banner. And as far as I know, that was their way of basically going, remember all our shows, uh, we're now on HBO Max, which is basically, because I know HBO had HBO Go, and that was more or less their little streaming service, but it was more kind of like RTE player or fucking uh, 4OD or one of them things there's more just kind of an internet or sorry completely desktop based website where you could catch up on shows and it would have the odd older show now sopranos and whatnot on it. but this is their version of disney plus essentially so they have a shitload load of hbo stuff on it uh, loads that i wanted to see i still haven't watched oz i want to fucking watch that uh, i think they have a lot of documentaries a lot of movies a lot of tv movies um a load of series that they might have only aired of in the 90s and shit like that So as far as I know It's fucking loaded with stuff So that's out there now um, What else was I going to mention I was tr- I'm trying to more get news Out of the way here um, Oh yeah hang on This is fucking the biggest Lot of shit ever I only saw a, a, a thing about this Recently um, Back to the Future 2 Was on Netflix Now I'm not sure whether This is actually UK Netflix Or American Netflix I didn't really look into that I, I was just too Disgusted by it but they've slightly trimmed the movie to get rid of one of the most important parts of the fucking story. Um, I'm not going to just completely go through the whole plot of Back to the Future. But let's say there's an almanac in it, a book, that is uh, essential to the plot. And hidden inside the cover is a porn magazine. Or not even a porn magazine, just because it's set in the fucking 50s. So it's more just uh, pin-up, lewd kind of fucking images. And you don't actually see anything in them, but there's a point where Marty thinks he's found the almanac in the bin, and he opens it and realizes whatever that flesh—it's well not flesh world—that's the fucking Tim Peaks one. Ooh la la, it's called. Uh, that's a woman in the front in lingerie, and it's not—it's not that at, at all explicit. Yet it's been cut, and it looks so choppy and fucked up, and it ruins the fucking joke. He says, "Isn't it?" Because he basically says the name of the book, "Ooh la la," in a sort of "Oh fuck, this isn't the book I'm looking for" it kind of way. Yet. They got rid of that. And the movie just. Like there's a whole reason. That he's found that fucking book. You don't even know. What he's looking at now. So. Apparently. Uh, the creators of the movie. I don't know whether it was Robert Zemeckis. Or. It was just. Whatever producers. Or whatever were behind it. But they basically said to Netflix. Get that fucking shit off. Your website now. And destroy it. And here's the proper version. Put the real version up on Netflix. And I'm glad they did it. They're right to do it. Because if that's the way it's going to be now. It's, it's a fucking joke. Because they're always trimming shit now, and they're always trying to make it like, oh no, we've we've always had today's 2020s progressive mindset, fucking 40 years ago, whenever else when they didn't, it's a lot of bollocks. So hopefully, uh, that isn't the way they're trying to turn it now with new releases of it. But Netflix of all places should fucking have it uncut, like it's actually all right. It's bad enough that they don't have theatrical cuts or sorry, extended cuts of certain movies or. Unrated cuts. For instance. If they had Superbad on there. It would probably be the version. That was in the cinema. Rather than. The funnier. Longer version. Um, and of course. The fucking. Lord of the Rings. Which I, do, I will get onto. Because I do have reviews to do for them. Because I've. Uh, I've had a very big turning point. With those. Um, but they have. Fucking. The Two Terrors. and Return of the King. But they don't have. Fellowship of the Ring. Which makes. Bollocks all sense. Because that's the most. Important one. that's fucking set everything up. You're just coming in. Literally two-thirds of the way into a fucking story or a third of the way in if you just start with two towers so it's nonsense that they haven't got that entire setup. Um but Netflix of all places right so you could go on there and you would see Back to the Future and see that they've cut out a glimpse at a slightly lewd magazine and then you can go oh well I'll just go watch Gaspar Noah's Love which has full uncensored sex in it literally fucking scroll down two lines you can fucking find that it's so fucking nonsense and just any kind of censorship is beyond fucking daft Um, but like I said the producers have reached out whoever reached out and they said get that bollocks off there we want the real version and now the real version is back so that's the important thing Um, yeah I'll quickly just mention Lord of the Rings then because I am going to write reviews for them although they're hard films to review I think because I tend to I don't like to dwell on reviews anymore I used to do fucking 2000 word reviews on some shit fucking movie but I don't have the patience anymore to do that. And I spend most of that describing the plot and whatever else. But really all I do now is give my opinion on the movies. That's all that fucking matters. If you want to know the plot of the movie you can fucking look it up. We've Every resource in the world for looking up movies these days. So me re-explaining something that you're probably reading. Especially if it's on Letterboxd where you actually click into the film and all the info is there. There's not much point in me fucking describing it. Um, but because the three movies really just link together as one huge movie it's hard to kind of. I suppose separate them in ways. I know there is key moments that you could separate them with, but the fact of the matter is, I saw the trilogy once, and I saw it back in the cinema in well, was two thousand one was Fellowship. I think actually I think they each consecutive year. So two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three. I saw all those movies. Um, when I saw Fellowship of the Ring, it just didn't do it for me. At that age, I think I was nine when it came out. I just couldn't get into... Fantasy stuff... Of that style... Obviously like Star Wars... Which I know Star Wars... It is a sci-fi film in space... But it also... It's a fantasy... The sound in space and all... It's kind of... It's daft... In that sense... It's more of a fantasy... Thing with a sci-fi theme... Um, But just general... Swords... Sorcery... Wizards... All that kind of shit... Just never appealed to me... When I was younger... And that film... There was one moment that actually scared the bollocks out of me when I was a kid. And uh, I think it scared most kids, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of tense kind of shit in it, to be honest. But it was a uh, Billbo's face in it at one point. I remember when I was younger. Because I was nine. It scared the bollocks out of me. Um, then again, Mr. Bean also scared the shit out of me back then. So, um, you know, that's the way it is as a kid. Um, but that film... I remember just seeing the cinema and I was just kind of bored. And I, just, I didn't have enough patience for long movies then as well. Um... So it didn't grab me at all And then I saw The Two Towers, Which I enjoyed more But I was like ah, I still find it boring It's not I don't really like it I was kind of just interested In the battle scene And then Return of the King Was the same I kind of only liked the battle And everything else I was like oh, I couldn't give a shit about this Um, So I had three movies That I saw in the cinema When I was younger And they never worked for me They they were just I never hated them I Like I probably went on Like I hated them Because I used to just be An edgy annoying Asshole cunt of a teenager Like we all once were but at that stage it was like I never actually hated the movies. I just didn't get into them. They weren't my thing. The, the fucking fan ship. What's the word? Fan ship's not the word. Fan base. Where the fuck did I get fan ship from? Uh, the fan base I always found extremely annoying as well. So that didn't happen. And obviously the Star Wars fan base are just as fucking bad. But obviously because I liked Star Wars more it was easier to just get on that side. And there was always a battle between them. And I kind of. Even though I still really enjoy Randall's little speech in clerks 2 taking the piss out of lord of rings um and that's probably one of the edgiest takes you'll ever fucking hear um i still i still had a bit of respect for them in the sense that no actually i didn't really respect them i just i didn't think much of them at all i didn't think anything about them it was when i went to college then that we were learning all about because i mean everything i knew about movies here's the thing about movies i i might have mentioned this again i've said before i fucking always can't remember what i've actually mentioned to you um but when I went into college, I thought I was the absolute big shit. I was going in there because, in my small circle of friends at the time, I'd know the most about movies. And that's just the way it was, even in school. I just knew more than a lot of people about movies because they were my biggest passion. So when I got to college, I thought I was going to go in there and find a lot of people who didn't know shit about movies and I was going to absolutely school all of them. But that wasn't the case. There were so many more, than for sure. But there was others in there that I was like, fucking hell! Like these people, they just, they just know fucking everything, and even the, the ins and outs of movies, um, th- that I just never would have occurred to me. Just the way sound works in a movie, and certain lighting and types of lenses, all that shit, just I never occurred to me. I was, I just had a very basic knowledge of movies. I used to know a lot about movies themselves, but not the actual process in making them. So while we were in there, we got to learn about sound and lighting and cinematography and special effects and all that kind of shit and what they were talking about before we were looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff from Lord of the Rings and in particular the Battle of Hounds Deep and I was just blown away by how they used to do sounds because they, they basically just it'd be all foley work so you'd have people in uh, fucking studios and they'd have like cheese graters on a rope and they're spinning it by the, the microphone and that's how you're getting the sound of axes and fucking arrows and shit flying by and Going out to creeks and all And just tapping bottle caps off the ground To sound like uh, Fucking people marching through mud And all this kind of shit And I remember actually one great one as well Was Peter Jackson went to this I think it was a fucking Rugby match or something like that But he went into the crowd And he said Look I have this I'm making this movie I need everyone who's in this stadium To stand up And start stamping their feet in unison So they were just going One Two One Two Everyone in there So it sounded like Fucking thousands of people and on the scoreboard they had this, I don't I don't know the works name, but whatever the the Uruk-hai and the orcs would say in Lord of the Rings. And the whole crowd chanting that was then used as the thousands and thousands of fucking soldiers in the movie marching. And I was just looking at that going, that is fucking genius. I never would have thought that. I, if I was to do that myself, I probably would have just done it once on my own and looped it thousands of times and it would have been shite. But that way it was done more natural and it just sounded fucking deadly. So... When I got to college, even though I still hadn't seen the movies since I was younger. And I still didn't have much interest in them or fantasy. I had a huge respect for them and seeing how they made. So part of me was kind of like, yeah, I'd like to fucking maybe revisit them. But then I was like, oh, the extended cuts are fucking four hours each and whatever else. So that was always put me off. And then obviously I got into the likes of Game of Thrones and a lot more movies and TV shows and stuff that are like that. And in games that are like that as well. So I sort of. My interest in fantasy and stuff like that had grown, so I thought, well, I'm in lockdown. I have nothing else to fucking do except watch shit. So I said, I'm gonna watch the extended Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I did so over three days. And I went from thinking that they were not great, kind of nothing movies, to thinking all three are fucking masterpieces. I <laughs> I finally see exactly what people think uh about these movies i finally get it and part of me is annoyed that i didn't revisit them sooner but then again you now had i re- revisited them about seven or eight years ago i probably would have actually still loved them but ha- had i watched them again as a teenager i it probably wouldn't have actually still grabbed me i probably would have been like because eh, I, I really wasn't into fantasy stuff at all back then but now that I'm a lot more accepting of it and I understand the techniques behind it, especially with special effects, especially with shooting on film, especially with seeing those bits from the Hobbit movies, which I'm not going kind to of bother my ass with. Um, I don't know, there's probably purists out there who'd be like, oh, no, you need to see The Hobbit. It's like, no, I have read it in school, and I remember it. Um, but it's a case of... I, 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 I have no respect for The Hobbit movies, especially, I mean, look, there's a fucking... Video of Ian McKellen actually breaking down crying going this isn't what making movies is about he was just disgusted sitting in a green screen all day when you just see the ingenuity put into fucking the Lord of the Rings movies and how they did it and just all the forced perspective stuff all the CGI all the clever editing like those movies are beyond ambitious they are fucking incredible the story is actually great as well I actually when I was younger as well I found Fellowship of the Ring the most boring purely because there's not a lot of action in it whereas obviously two towers and uh return the king have loads of action so even at the younger age i was kind of like ah yeah it's the most boring it's probably my favorite one the fucking whole setup the introduction to all the characters the actual it feels like you're about to actually go on a real journey it's not like even though i love star wars star wars is very you're kind of just thrown into this and then like oh we need to go on this journey and they're much shorter movies obviously you don't get as much room to expand but this really feels like people coming together for a serious, proper journey. And it's just structured so fucking well. And they're so long, but they don't feel long. They're never boring. Um, and this is shit I thought I'd never say. I thought even upon rewatching them, I'd think, ah oh, yeah, they're good. I mean, I, I finally get it now. I respect them a bit more. I was just surprised at how fucking blown away I was by these movies. And i actually mentioned this last week or last week whenever fucking last i recorded when i watched hot rod now i've mentioned it on the facebook page i was actually saving that review for the end of the episode i never did it um but hot rods another one hot rods like i got really into the lonely island and andy sandberg and all that kind of comedy shit um and i i fell out of it very quickly i found it really annoying and then i got sick of it and then anytime i saw andy sandberg i was like i can't watch that comedy fucking wrecks my head then and the other guy like the other people in Lonely Island as well didn't interest me then your man Jorma Takone or whoever you say his name is made MacGruber which if you've listened to my best of the decade thing is probably one of the best comedies of the decade maybe the best so he grew on me that way so I thought okay I'm willing to watch whatever he's in or involved with then I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I fucking loved Andy Sandberg after a while and he really grew on me then so I said fuck it I'm gonna give Hot Rod another try now bear in mind I watched about 20 minutes of it pre-hating it because i didn't like andy samberg so i was like not into this at all don't want to watch it even though there was clearly funny shit going on just didn't allow myself to enjoy it again i'm an arsehole 13 years ago um so watching it again recently i fucking pissed myself throughout it i absolutely loved it and it's definitely going to get rewatched more but this is the thing you have to fucking give things another try there are certain things that i know i don't like See, the the thing about Hot Rod is I was going into that with a particular mindset. I was already not liking it. With Lord of the Rings, I just wasn't into fantasy stuff then. But as I said, I could still see why people would like it. It just wasn't my thing. But there are certain things out there that I know are terrible. But fucking hell, if there's stuff out there that you've watched and you just weren't in the mood for and you're just like, Ah, it wasn't great. Give it another fucking go because sometimes it can really land there's also the opposite i've mentioned bad boys numerous times now on this podcast how that was something i adored growing up but watching it again didn't do it for me at all so it's worth taking these risks but fucking hell lord of the rings was a big savage risk that was well worth taking because i'm now fully converted um and the funny thing is the, the, the amount of fucking lord of the rings memes and shit that have been out for years and years now that i've remembered even though i saw them 20 nearly 20 years ago i still remembered Certain lines and I got the references and jokes, but it just didn't land the same way. But they're just now ten times funnier. Um, but yeah, I I'm consider me inducted into the the nerd fucking realm of Lord of the Rings because I'm I'm all in now, uh, and I'm looking forward to whatever four K versions come out because fucking finally, finally I have a four K player, not only a four K player but one with HDR ten, and Dolby Vision and multi-region that is literally what i think was like the first or second episode of this podcast i went in a big spiel about all the formats and the types of players whatever else now i finally have exactly what i was looking for the only thing left on this list now is the oled tv and then i am literally sorted i can sit down watch movies in pristine quality the way they're meant to be seen on a fucking huge tv until i'm literally found swarming with flies stone dead because that's how i want to go um i just had to make sure something good is actually on the tv though i can't just be found dead watching fucking well the hobbit um but yeah i finally have that i bought a shitload of fucking blu-rays i have a few 4k things now i've ordered some other stuff i'm hoping to get a few american things as well i know the scream factory stuff is shit that i wanted to get for a while because they have Candyman, which i mentioned Candyman before with the arrow version that uh some prick on Amazon fucking <laughs> scabbed me out of buying. Um, but that one, that went out of print. and that, It's only the limited edition in, in England that has the uh, the uncut version. But the American one actually has the uncut one on the regular version. So I'm going to try track that one down because the proper version of Candyman is the way to see it. And the fact that they've done that. Because I, I don't know if I mentioned Thief the last time when I was talking about this. But Thief, an absolute masterpiece by Michael Mann uh, that stars James Cann. Literally one of the best fucking crime movies I've ever watched. And so fucking stylish as well. Um, That movie, when you buy the Arrow, regular Arrow Blu-ray, it's the director's cut. It's the right version. But the special edition I have has the director's cut plus the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut is the bonus. So if you want to see the original version in cinemas, that's how you get it. Whereas the version that they've put on for Candyman, they have what is essentially the theatrical cut or the the all-rated version as the main version but as a special feature you get the extended one it should be the other way around i think you should have the uncut version as the main version and you can have the other version as a bonus go oh here's the all-rated version if you want to see a trimmed lesser version of it but once you if if you're a Candyman fan and you haven't seen the uh, uk version or unrated version definitely watch that because it's pretty much it's more or less only one scene but it's, it just makes it so much more raw and mean and vicious. And it's I think it's way better. Uh, way more effective. That's the word. Um, but yeah. I, I've opened up a new realm of fucking movies now. I said realm twice. I mentioned that in Lord of the Rings I think. But I've opened up a new world let's say for movies. I'm going to be buying so many fucking American things. That I just have for some reason not been released here. For one reason or another. Um, and I'm going to finally get them now. So thumbs up to that i've so much shit that i ordered as well and i finally have i haven't arrived yet now um but the grindhouse edition of cannibal holocaust which i've been trying to find for literally years is finally on the way and i can't wait for it although i found out that it actually is multi-region as well but still i now have that on the way and i can't wait um but the final bit of i need to say trivia of news that i'm going to give is interesting now this is This is uh, something that might only interest a certain amount of people, but I'm eager to see what they've done with it, even though I've not seen the original version. So what I'm talking about is Zack Snyder, who, by the way, I really want to get his fucking Dawn of the Dead uh, remake on Blu-ray. I fucking love that. And Screen Factory have done savage 2K scans of both the theatrical and director's cuts of that in a box set. So I want to get them because I think that's one of the best remakes out there. One of the finest zombie movies ever made. And one of the best horror films of that decade. So I need to own that. And every Blu-ray that's come out since has been either not great quality. Or hasn't been in this country. So now that I have an option to buy it. Fucking wherever. Because of the multi-region. I'm going to go for that screen factory one. And it has the original art on the reverse too. Um, was Zack Schneider. There was this whole thing that was going on for years now. I think what was it 2018 2017 could have been 2019. No, yeah, I think it was 2018. Whenever Justice League came out. um, The studio decided to fuck with it completely. And change it around. And do this and do that too. Um, so obviously he was disgusted with it. And I only saw the trailer and a few scenes from it. It looked absolutely garbage. Um, now, in fairness, I haven't seen either the Wonder Woman women's. Wait, the other one, Wonder Woman isn't out yet, is it? I haven't seen the first Wonder Woman anyway. I've only seen Man of Steel, which I thought... Had some great moments, but a lot of unbearably shit moments. Like the last half hour of that film was unwatchably bad. Um, and I saw Batman vs. Superman, which I thought the director's cut was fucking great. I quite actually enjoyed it. Uh, it does have a lot of shit in it. I will say that though. I think it needs to lose about half an hour of the Man of Steel esque action that fucking gets thrown into it. But the atmosphere, the look of it, the action scenes of Batman just remind me of the Arkham fucking Asylum games it did a lot of stuff right for me even though it has its flaws it did a lot of stuff right so I quite enjoyed it then I saw what they actually did in the theatrical version which should not have been released it was an incomplete movie and it's a travesty that it actually got released Um, but they've more or less done the same here with Justice League only they haven't given them the option to release a director's cut what's happened now though is HBO have said oh no I meant to mention there was a a Twitter hashtag that went around called release the Snyder Cut and that fucking went everywhere it became a big meme and everyone was like yeah it's never gonna happen blah blah well hbo have now decided yeah we're gonna fucking release that so i think they're i don't know whether it's already been edited together or he's re-editing it the way he wanted it but his original vision and original scenes and everything else is going to come out on hbo potentially on hbo max that could be one of the reasons why hbo got it so it can be an exclusive for them um but i'm not sure what warner brothers think about that or yeah warner behind dc i think i don't know um but I'm eager to see that. I, I, I will actually watch those movies in preparation for it. Because I actually like Shazam as well. That's another DC one that was enjoyable. I hate Suicide Squad. Birds of Prey was shit as well. But I, I'm willing to give a chance to the Wonder Woman and Aquaman and I, I will watch Justice League for the sake of it. Oh no, actually I don't like a bottom of my ass watching Justice League, I'll just watch the, the Schneider Cup when it comes in because that's the original vision. Um But yeah, that that's my news there. Although see I was just talking to Joe from Lazy Dads there. Literally, just before I start recording this, because um, I told my idea that I'm going to talk about some overlooked shit from the, the 2010s or the last decade. And he asked, Was I going to put The Thing in there, the prequel to the original masterpiece? because And I said no, because I actually don't like that film. But I would be 1000% willing to watch the original version of it, because the original version was laden with practical effects and i've seen some of the behind the scenes animatronics and stuff they did and it looks fucking deadly it looks like a love letter to the original um but obviously the studio got cold feet and said let's just put loads of fucking cgi in it and they made a balls of the movie and it looks fucking garbage in in a lot of scenes like some of the cgi is cartoonishly bad um the film itself though i wasn't a fan of i don't like the characters i think there's some good ideas in it they have this idea where once the thing assimilates it actually can't do that with like piercings and metal and fillings and things like that. So that's one way they're able to detect who may or may not be a thing if they used to have an earring and now they don't kind of thing. Um thought that was a really interesting idea and it's it's fun to see how all the shit that happened at the other outpost went down. Although some of it looks really forced, how it was set up that way. Um but I, I the film itself I just didn't think it was great. I don't hate the movie, I just don't think it's great. Um But I'd be willing to watch this other version if the special effects and atmosphere could make up. Because one of the things I hated most about it was how terrible the special effects were. There's a lot of stuff they tried to do right. A lot of stuff they didn't do very well. I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I don't think she was a good lead in this. But I don't know. If if they're willing to get their fucking fingers out of their arse and say, Alright, people want this. Let's give it to them. Because several fucking times now this has happened. People want something. It's being given to them. And now... Obviously people are going to go in pre-hating this Justice League thing as well. But this is going to please a lot of fans. They need to understand that the fans are the ones who are right. Not the cunts who produce the thing, Because they're just going to look for money. They're not looking for quality. This will get people interested. If people release this version of the thing now. Like the way it was supposed to be. I guarantee you there will be a newfound love for the movie. More than likely. Now people will still criticise how shit the fucking story is. Because I think that's... A reasonable argument to make. But. It'll be more effective. Because it was a flop. People didn't like it. People thought it was shite. Especially the fans of the original. Joe liked it. Because. Joe likes the Predator. You have to remember that. Um, And no one likes Predator. But. This is the way it is. They need to fucking. Start listening to the fans. And start releasing things. The way they're supposed to be. The Schneider cut. Had it been released in the cinemas. You never know. It could have been a huge hit. But. We'll have to see when it comes out. I think it's. Could be around this time next year. Early next year. Maybe. The time they actually plan to have it released because he's obviously gonna have to re edit it and do whatever else, but it's very interesting, I think it's an interesting uh thing that's happening. And I've gone on for about 20 minutes longer than I intended to when I started this, so I'm gonna breeze through <laughs> these movies. I always fucking do this, and I meant to say as well, I, I'm just a dick. I fucking was looking at my list of uh the best films of the 2010s, and there's so much shit I left out, like, like I, said, I mentioned before. Um, Intouchables, touchables i have no clue why that wasn't there that should have been in there uh and cloud atlas was another one i totally forgot i was going to throw it in this but it wasn't necessarily overlooked well i suppose it was but it was a bit bigger than a lot of the shit i'm going to talk about here um there is no structure to this list this is just how i added them at the time so my first and last they're not going to be it's, it's not an order of best it's not an order of worst this is just 40 movies from the Nod... Or not the Noddies. From the Tenses. That you should fucking watch. Because they're really good. And I'm going to be quick enough going through them. myself. my life. I say this every time. But I'm not going to... It's not really going to be a review. It's more just... Recommendations of uh, movies to see. So... We'll start off with number one. And that is... Robot and Frank. This was a fucking... Great fucking movie that I remember seeing... I don't even know when... How I got to see it. I just remember when I saw it. I thought this is fucking... One of the most charming... Nice upbeat quirky indie dramedies that i had seen in a long time and it stars frank langella and he's a an elderly safe cracker he's now just living in a retirement home and his son i think it's james Marsden, if i remember correctly um decides to get him a helper robot one of these things that if you've i, I think the way they did it in the movie they actually had a dwarf in a costume but it's one of those things you'd see in a the Late Late Show or something like that where a robot comes out and it can hand you your fucking dinner plate and all that kind of shite. Basically a helper robot. And because he's so bored living in a retirement home he decides, I'm going to teach this robot to help me do a robbery. <laughs> so it's about the, the friendship he builds with that and rekindling of the love with his son and all this kind of stuff. So it's a very warm, light-hearted movie. Very, very enjoyable. I haven't actually seen it since it came out but I remember just absolutely loving it and hoping it would get a bit more attention um but sadly it didn't uh so it's one that i highly recommend seeing it might be on netflix um see i haven't researched the location of these movies because i only decided i was going to just do this list yesterday so i I didn't bother looking into it because i I don't have the mental patience or time at the moment um well i do have time but you know what i mean Uh, the mental patience is more important than time um but yeah, that's uh, the first one that I'm going to mention anyway. Robot and Frank. And I think it was my brother who said this. I think it was my brother Johnny said that mispronouncing that name can actually make for an amazing movie opportunity. And that's Robot and Frank. So hopefully uh, he'll be able to get the money together to invent that film and make it uh, make it so. Um, but yeah, Robot and Frank. Thoroughly enjoyable. And one I'm actually eager to revisit. So definitely get that one a look. If you want something very upbeat and light and nice. That's the way to go. <laughs> I'm just looking at the, the, the order of this list now. The next two films are just the complete polar opposite of fucking Robot and Frank. Um, first one is a French-Canadian horror movie called Seven Days. Although it's hard to call it a horror Well it's definitely a horror movie with the content. But it's uh, it's more just a really... Dour, bleak, miserable, grim, horrific drama film. Um, It's basically about this guy who... His daughter, who I think is only about 10 or something, is raped and killed by this guy. And your man's caught and he's ready to go to jail and whatever else. But he decides, no, I actually... I, I cannot allow him to fucking get away with this and just go to jail so he orchestrates a way to break him out on the way to jail and keeps him locked up in a shack where he tortures him for seven full days and to add to the serious bleak miserable tone of this movie there's no music in it so most of these movies that have like tension music and the guy trying to escape and this just doesn't offer that excitement this is just really bleak miserable and the thing is well it's not it's not doesn't shy away from anything um if you've ever seen law-abiding citizen you'll recognize some very very similar scenes in this uh i initially thought it was it, it stole from this movie but i realized this actually came out afterwards um but there's a moment in law-abiding citizen where he catches one of the criminals let's say who uh i think i think they Rape and kill his wife or something at the start of that movie. I, I can't remember what way it works. I just know it's a bit of a mess. Um, but he catches one of the guys. And he injects him with this thing. That pretty much numbs his entire functions. Or uh, what was the word to say? It stops all his functionality in his body. So he can still feel everything. His nerves are all extra sensitive. And he can still he's awake and whatever else. But he can't do anything about it. And the way it's done when you figure it out you're like oh this is going to be cool You're because kind of, it's one of them revenge movies where you're excited about the revenge this one even though the guy deserves it you're just like this is so bleak but in Law Abiding Citizen like, your man's kind of struggling on the table like, like he, he can't do much but he still can function in this the same kind of thing happens he paralyses him at one point at the start and starts doing things to him and there's just again there's no music you just hear the sounds of whatever's happening because uh, I don't want to ruin it. Because this is a movie you don't want to ruin. In terms of what happens. Oh there's, there's one or two things I will mention. Just because I <laughs> how fucked they are. But I don't, I don't want to explain too much about this. But. He does something in that sense. But all you can see is a tear coming out of his eye. You just know he's feeling all this. He can't scream. He can't move. They just take the same idea from Law Abiding Citizen. And instead of making it like. Oh shit this is going to be fucked up. You're kind of just sitting there going. This is bleak. And some of this st- This stuff just goes on. All the time. And. Again a Law Abiding Citizen. The people he tortures in it. They're kind of still dressed up. And they kind of still look Hollywoodish. In this your man is in the nip the whole time. And he's just dirty. At one point he's hung up by his hands. And getting whipped with chains. To the point where he just goes unconscious. And he's not even getting hit in the head. It's just, I remember I watched one of the lads before. And we were both just like. This is so fucking bleak. Um, it's a mean. Nasty fucking movie. But it's actually brilliant. The, the way they get into his psyche throughout it is really fucking well done um, it becomes a manhunt movie then as well because you have a cop who his wife was killed in a bank robbery and he just feels like he's lost everything but now he's he feels obliged to go hunt this guy down and stop him from basically torturing him because he's on the run now torturing this guy it's not like these other movies where they get to kidnap someone and torture them but there's no uh, what's the word there's no pursuit let's say from the police or anything like that he has fucking people after him so it's it adds a bit of tension to it, but yeah, it's it's a mean, rough, fucking bleak movie. But it's fucking excellent. So, seven days if you want something there uh, <laughs> completely. Uh, I suppose night ruiningly bleak. Uh, the next movie is almost equally as bleak, but uh, there's a lot more tension and excitement kind of stuff in it, and it's phenomenally well fucking made. Uh, it's a Ultra grim Spanish. Tiger robbery movie. movie, Tiger robbery movie. Called Kidnapped. And the whole movie is probably shot in. Maybe. Seven or eight takes. They're all long takes. And they're all fucking insanely well done. Um movie opens. It kind of sets the tone. There's a guy with a bag over his head. Tied up in the woods. And he just wakes up. And he's trying to find his way out of there. That's kind of how it starts. To give you an idea that. This is what. The people who come in later in the movie are capable of. And the idea is. It's just a rich suburban family living in a house. When a burglar decides to fucking. Or not a burglar. A group of lads smash their way in. And there's a daughter and a mother there. And they basically have weapons. And they say. Right. Da da da. You have to come with me to the bank machines. And empty them all out. And then we'll let your wife and daughter go. So he's stuck in that situation but the whole movie is done in long takes and the way they do it is just so fucking good because the camera at one point splits and you're literally watching two separate movies happening at the same time till the camera event like both cameramen eventually sync up next to each other and the screen turns into one shot again and it's just i was blown away by how well they did it the tension is ramped up so fucking high because there's so many moments of people call into the house and they're basically like we're going to kill your daughter if you answer the door all that kind of shit typical tension you get in any of these kind of home invasion movies but the way it's handling this is mind-blowing it's ultra tense it's dark it's fucked up and it's unrelentingly fucking bleak um but it's a fucking good one especially if you're into just the technical side of how these movies are done this is fucking incredible so kidnapped from what year was it? i think it was maybe 2012 or something I didn't think to actually look at the fucking years that these came out, but they're all from the twenty ten, so you can find them that way. But it's a Spanish one, Home Invasion Thriller. Was on Netflix. It went on Netflix for like two weeks and then it was gone again. Um, whether it's come back, I'm not sure, but if, if you ever see it on there, give it a look, because it's fucking fantastic. Um, up next is a kind of rare movie that... Uh, I'd been meaning to see it for years and years and years. And I finally got to have a look at it a couple of years ago. After some people recommended it. Uh, actually t- two lads from podcasting them softly. Um, Frank Mangrinelli, I think that's how you say his name. Could have said that wrong. If I did I apologise. And Nate Hill. Who are just huge fucking movie fans. and they, they like to look for movies that are always underappreciated. And give them the appreciation they deserve. And this movie in particular was one that they had mentioned a lot. That... Has always been kind of perceived as a pile of shite. People don't seem to like it. I cannot understand why. Because it fucking blew me away. Uh, it's called I Melt With You. and uh, It stars Jeremy Piven. Rob Lowe. And Thomas Jane. And there's another guy. I'll never remember his name. But it's about four friends who. Every few years. I don't know how many years it actually is. I don't think it's every one year. It could be. Actually I don't think it is. I think it's every few years they meet up. And they just have ultra big fucking sessions in a a gaff they rent. So they just get literally Hunter S. Thompson levels of fucking drugs, drink, prostitutes, whatever the fuck they want. They just go to this gaff and they just let loose. But this is one where they're older now. They feel like their best years are behind them. And and in particular, there's a pact that they made years ago that kind of comes into play again. And the whole movie is just about the male psyche in that sense and it's what i find interesting about it is it kind of looks at how men behave and treat and why they act this way it kind of it's something that actually investigates this and goes deep into it rather than just being like typical bro movie or something like that this is actually something that goes into the mindset and why men behave certain ways and i actually think it's really fucking well done it's really smart an amazing soundtrack literally every fucking song on it is fantastic Uh, a lot of it would be kind of English pop punk bands and stuff from the the early 80s and 70s and stuff like that. A lot of that kind of stuff in there. Um, just It really fucking blew me away. It's it's tough too. It's a fucking dark one. That's actually three dark ones in a row. Because you forget how dark this is. And I wondered. Because when you see a cast like that, it looks like it's going to be a comedy. Rob Lowe, Jeremy Piven. And I suppose Thomas Jane has done a bit more drama. But the three of them, you think, this is going to be kind of fun. And then I remember seeing the actual plot of the movie and thinking... Or hearing the plot of the movie and thinking that actually sounds like good fun. But when you watch it, it's not fun. It's just a it's a sad, bleak, and albeit at times funny and at times enjoyable, but just a a, a sad roller coaster of uh, I suppose Manhood <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it in that sense, but it's well worth watching. It's called I Melt With You and Yeah, very, very high recommendation there. Um, after that was one that I saw in what year did it come out 2012 or 2013 and I expected something totally fucking different and uh, that's a British if you want to no, I, I wouldn't even call it a crime film it's a drama film called Wild Bill and it's about this guy who he's just out of prison and he's trying to reconnect with his son who's played by the man with the eyebrows Will Polder and his daughter who I can't remember the the daughter's name or it could be a little brother actually or uh, sorry another son I can't remember it's been a long time since I've seen it I just remember loving it Um, and he's trying to reconnect with them but he has sort of criminal or gangster buddies uh, One, the main one played by Andy Serkis who are trying to sort of pull him back into that life and it's not it doesn't go any of the typical ways he expected it I was thoroughly fucking impressed with how they handled this movie it's a really good, powerful drama film. That has does have moments of lightness and comedy and stuff in it. And I wouldn't go as to call it bleak at all. Um, it does have some very good dramatic scenes. But it wouldn't go down the bleak road. I just thought it was fucking really nice. Really well done. Smart as well. Brilliantly fucking acted. You tend to get that with a lot of British movies anyway. Because, um, I mean, British drama always seems a lot more realistic than American drama for me. I don't know why. But... It works a lot better for me, but um, that's definitely one you should fucking watch. And here's the problem as well: the the reason I mentioned it caught me off guard is because the marketing for it when I when I nearly mentioned crime there, it's made to look like a fucking Guy Ritchie style, good crack fucking what Bill he's the fucking he's mad and whatever else. It's not like that at all. It's a very serious, very well made actually dexter fletcher made it who's gone on to fucking do he took over bohemian rhapsody and finished it because a pedo was directing it and he decided we don't need him anymore and now he went on to do rocket man as well so he's well established himself as someone who knows what he's doing behind the camera and he's actually in Lockstock. that was another reason i thought oh this is going to be another Lockstock wannabe but it's not that at all it's a fucking excellent drama Carl wild bill uh one of the first blu-rays i bought as well because i remember that was uh when, H or when Extra Vision were closing down They had that on sale So I grabbed that as soon as I could But yeah Wild Bill Tremendous Fully recommended The end Well not the end You know what's coming up next Um, <clears throat> What's next So the battery Is number 6 And this is one that Actually showed at horathon And unfortunately I missed it I really wish I fucking could have seen it Because I didn't know much about it at the time Um. But I ended up seeing it a couple of years later. And I wrote a list. This is back when I used to write for Movie Pilot. Which have since gone bust. I'm no surprise because I used to fuck with everyone's fucking work. Um, But I did an article. 13 horror films you may not have seen. And that was included in it. And the director, Jeremy Gardner, actually liked it and shared it. So I thought that was deadly. Um, But this is a movie. It's an unusual take on a zombie apocalypse. It follows two lads who are on the same baseball team and it's like only a small little community baseball kind of game like it's not even a real sports they're not sports stars like. and it's basically about them wandering through zombie apocalypse trying to find sanctuary somewhere but the reason it's called The Battery is is one of them has a music player with him and he listens to um, uh, or he listens to like tapes when he walks around and he's looking for batteries that's not the, the main plot of the movie that's just what they happen to call it it's mostly just them wandering around and a situation they get into and there's a a large portion of the movie of them trapped and it's done fucking so well. This movie had a budget of about five grand and I think most of this was just him getting mates to do favours for him who were like, here look, can you just be in this scene as a zombie? And that was it. And it's done so effectively. It actually feels like a proper empty world that they're in. And the thing is, you can see people who cheap, shitty zombie movies. They tend to just hide out in like crappy areas where they set it all in their house so they don't have to show the outside the whole outdoors of this movie feels empty and desolate it feels like The Walking Dead that's one thing you, you can say about The Walking Dead as shite as the show got on the long rows that are out there it always feels empty and desolate like nothing's gonna go uh, they did that brilliant in this movie it's kind of you could call it a dark comedy there's some humorous bits in it um, but really it's more of a drama and it's just done so fucking well it caught me totally off guard Thought it was fantastic. It was released here on DVD. Under. What was it? Mickey and. It like Mickey and Joe versus the zombie apocalypse. It had some shitty fucking name like that. That app does not sell it at all. But a crap fucking generic. All grey zombie poster. Bollocks. Doesn't fucking sell the movie well at all. The actual poster for it is fucking grey. And thankfully there's a, a new movie from Jeremy Gardner. I can't remember the name of it. Um, Fuck I better pre-order that. I forgot about that. Uh, arrow are releasing it basically and part of the limited edition is that you get a copy of the battery with it and it's called the battery on it as well they don't have a bullshit name so i'm very happy about that um and actually that's one thing i meant to mention before is most stuff that tends to just get a dvd release over here ends up getting a savage blu-ray so if, if you see something that comes out just on dvd and you're thinking to yourself why the fuck is that not have a proper release you might be better off waiting unless you can find a savage version online but you might be better off waiting because it's likely to come out properly on blu-ray um but yeah battery is fucking excellent it, another one that i think was on netflix at one stage well worth checking out if it is um but otherwise you can go buy that new movie i don't remember what it's called it's about some guy who's trapped in a fucking house um i don't know if it's during an apocalypse or anything, but i think it could be some demon is stalking him or something it lo- looks really unusual um But I know that this is an extra on it, so check it out if you can. So, uh, number six, the battery. After that is one that I think could have been terrible, but it ended up being fucking really, really good. Uh, And it's one I haven't seen since then. I remember loving it at the time. Uh, So I I do think it deserves its place here. I mean, I assume it will probably be as effective upon rewatch but i just remember it being really fucking well made and there's a a funny story about it <laughs> that uh it's a movie called disconnect and friend or i think it was my brother or someone was looking for a copy of that movie to get and they ended up finding a movie called disconnected and they said oh yeah bought that threw it in turned out to be a hardcore porn for them called disconnected and had nothing to do with uh with this movie uh this one has a serious cast i'll actually open it. Um, as usual, I have letterboxed over here. That's how I have this list put together. Um, But you have Jason Bateman, Hope Davis, Frank Grillo, uh, Michael Nungfist, whoever you say his fucking name, or Michael Nungfist. I can never say his name right. Nyquist, Nyquist. You know who the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, Andrea Reisberg, Alexander Skarsgård, and just several others that you fucking reckon or recognise as soon as you see them. And... It's a movie that follows about... I don't know how many different people. There's about three or four stories that overlap. And all of them are involved with uh, the internet in some way. And one of them is a story about these two teenagers who... I'm trying to think how these all link together. Two teenagers who pretended to be a girl online and convinced another guy in their class to send nudes. And... Then he got bullied for it and tried to kill himself. And one of the stories is basically the father of the bullies and how they're trying to like cover their tracks online and the father of the son who tried to kill himself and how his life's coming together. And I think there's like a... <laughs> I'm trying to see how they all connect now. I think one of them has an affair with some woman who's like... It's a, a blog for people whose... Uh, who are widowed and some guy on there is scamming people on it and she gets involved in that and I think there's a couple who was it they he might have killed their son or something they try to track him down online they may or may not have the right guy there's all these different strands that come up I, I, I don't fully remember it as I said I haven't seen it since 2012 around then but I just remember being captivated by each story they all have a decent message about the dangers of online and how bullying is cunty and I remember just coming together and it seriously go. Actually, there's another story. I think it's there's a girl who she's it's essentially the same as OnlyFans of one of them things. She's a cam girl. But I think it's a reporter or something. She's like, I want to get this girl out of this because it was was in a sort of (coughs) more of a trafficking sort of way rather than people just setting it up themselves. And I remember that, that was she tracks her down online or something. It's all Internet based. And the thing about internet-based things is they can be shite. They can be really obvious, on-the-nose, the the dangers of the internet, prowler kind of shite. But this was done really fucking well. The characters are all good. I think it was one of the first drama things I saw Jason Bateman in, before he's now made a great name for himself as one of the fucking best dramatic actors out there. But I remember seeing this going, holy fuck, this is really serious, it's really well-made, it's really entertaining. Um and i remember that as i said it comes together really fucking well and all the stories overlap in a really good way so it's definitely worth checking out uh, it's called disconnect make sure you don't see disconnected unless that's what you're up to for the night but if you're looking for this movie disconnect is the title i think it got released here i it might have had a different name because like i said they they fucking do that like like i said with that the battery and whatever they call it mickey bow me or whatever the fuck it's called um let me check, because I know it had a different name, and I remember looking at it, going, "Why have they fucking changed that name?" Because um, I think it'll be more appealing to people. I don't think that's how it works. um Let me see. It was called in the UK. I oh, know it was called Disconnect here as well. I don't know where what I saw a different name for. It. Ah, either way. Go check out Disconnect. I don't know where it's actually streaming. It should be streaming somewhere. It actually didn't come out in the UK in 2015 apparently. Premiered on TV. Um, well, which is unusual. But it's one I highly fucking recommend. I don't know if there's a Blu-ray of it. If there is I might actually track it down myself. But I, I do have a few other titles in here. That will probably have different uh, different names. But that's one fully recommended. I've said that 20 times. Re- I recommend it. Uh, after that is something that's kind of similar. Uh, in the bullying realm of things but this is more akin to something like elephant or what was it zero zero day zero hour i can't remember what it's called but it's uh it's essentially got this really dark undertone to it and it's a movie called the dirties and i remember hearing about it because kevin smith i think produced it or he was pushing it in some way um because he was like this is a fucking really interesting movie made by some teenagers it's fucking class." The whole thing is shot like a found footage movie. And it's basically this teenager who is gradually becoming a bit more unhinged. Uh, and he's been bullied by, I think it's, I think he calls the groups of bullies the dirties. Or he him and his friend are the dirties who are against the bullies or something like that. But he's basically plotting his revenge on them in school. And it's just, it's so fucking well made. It's really fucking dark. I remember the dialogue being particularly striking in it because it seemed really natural it didn't feel artificial which tends to be a case with a lot of teenage movies where they're just like oh i'm just going to talk about tits and partying and that's that's why i hated that fucking uh summer of 84 movie people seemed to love it i thought it was shite and the dialogue and it was fucking garbage and it's the most fake crappy dialogue ever it was like they tried to have the american pie style dialogue in a stranger things atmosphere and it just did not work um I mean, it did it properly. It had the edgier dialogue without being shite. Um, But this one, really fucking low budget, well made, underrated. Fuck all people I know have seen it. I think you should see it. Again, could be on Netflix. I'm going to assume a lot of these movies may or may not be on Netflix rather than just saying it over and over again. Just look them up. Uh, What I'm going to do is, after I release this episode, I'm actually going to have a link to the letterbox that has all these movies so you can search them and look them up and whatever else. Uh, or no I'll give it a few days and so we can actually listen to this first um, but up next is Beyond the Black Rainbow I've talked <laughs> extensively several times about my love for Mandy the movie made by Panas Cosmatos and this is the movie that got him that movie it's one of the most inventive strange sci-fi thrillers I suppose you could call it it's, it's like a psychedelic trip about this girl with kind of psych- or not psychedelic supernatural powers who is trapped in this sort of prison in 1983 and it's this big like they really captured it almost looks like a the 60s mixed with the 80s this kind of look to a uh in this secret underground lab and an insane doctor who's obsessed with her and it's about her trying to escape from this future prison and it's just so visually striking the soundtrack is incredible uh i can't remember the people who were behind it. Siona Caves or something like that or Sy Caves. Don't know how to say the name. But they just did an amazing fucking job of the score. The atmosphere, the cinematography, the set design, all of it is just visually mind blown. It's one I actually can't wait to get on Blu-ray. Uh hasn't had a release over here, but now that I have a region fleet player, I think I'll get it. But I did hear there was issues with that Blu-ray, so I might just wait until there's a proper big special edition, potentially four K. Um But yeah, you can see, like, Nicolas Cage saw this movie and said, yeah, I want to work with this chap. And then Mandy appeared, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. So, Beyond the Black Rainbow, totally recommend it. You have to be in a very specific mindset. If you want to just go into an absolute visual hell for fucking (laughs) two hours, then I highly recommend it. Um, It's not exactly strong on plot, and it does kind of devolve into a bit of a slashery type situation. But other than that, I think it's fucking fantastic, and just so unique, so... Beyond the Black Rainbow. Definitely give it a look. Uh, After that is what I would consider to be. Almost a spiritual sequel of sorts. To Terry Gilliam's masterpiece Brazil. And this is Richard Ayoade's. Also masterpiece The Double. Which is a really really fucking bizarre movie. But it it borrows very heavily from. Terry Gilliam's style. Particularly in Brazil. Uh, The whole look of it and atmosphere and quirkiness is right to a T from that movie. And it's about Jesse Eisenberg who he works in I think it's like a this weird sort of news is it like a news censorer? I, I can't remember. I haven't seen it since it came out. Um I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I think he has to censor the news in it. Or am I thinking of nineteen eighty four. I know it borrows from that as well, so I could be mixing them up. Actually I think that's what I'm mixing it up with. He works in a company anyway. And uh He's kind of a down and out. People don't really care about him. And they don't look at him the other way. Or they look the other way when he comes in. They just don't like him. But then an exact double of him comes in. who's just dresses the same. Looks the exact same. But he's full of charisma. And everyone absolutely loves him. And he feels his life's being taken over by this guy. While he also is starting to become affectionate for Mio Vasakovska, Who lives in the building opposite him. And it's just really odd. It has this strange... 70s or even earlier kind of look to it uh in this dystopian kind of british kind of american just bizarre uh location and that's why it reminds me of brazil because brazil's just there's no location like it in any other movie and this one tries to get there obviously doesn't get to the same place as brazil but it's really unique really interesting very fucking funny and this was the movie that made me go okay, I can give this guy another try. Because at that stage, I fucking hated the IT crowd and virtually anything to do with him. So, obviously, I've come around to the IT crowd. So I don't think it's amazing the way people do it, but it is actually quite funny. Um But couldn't stand Richard Ayoade. Saw this, thought, okay, he's one to look at. And then I watched Submarine and I thought, right, this chap has my full 100% support on any movie he wants to do. So, this is one that actually very could have easily made that list as well. Um... But obviously there was just too too much good to select from. But one I'd highly recommend. Oh, it's Jesse Eisenberg, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he's the the guy with the double. Um. Next is one that I, a movie I hadn't heard of uh, until it just kind of fell on my lap, and fucking hell, I think this is one of the funniest comedies I'd seen of the decade. Although, like I said, there was just better movies in that list. Is the reason I didn't go in there, but this could have easily made my list of the best of the decade. The guy in it though, the lead character, is ultra controversial in uh, real life. And this movie now it would probably not get released. Uh, particularly, in as I mentioned earlier, when I reviewed uh, Norm Macdonald's movie Dirty Work, there's a comedic fascism that's going on now. And it's been going on for years now and it's just getting worse and worse. Um, But a movie like this would just not fly one fucking bit today. And uh, that's more reasons to fucking love it because it just pushes so many boundaries of taste and political correctness and everything else it's just a ballsy fucking movie um but it's a movie called how to be a man and the lead character is the or the lead actor is gavin mcginnis who he started off writing for vice and then they thought he was too edgy and then they fired him and then he started writing for other publications and then he kind of just had a very i suppose edgy over a very punk sort of over or what's the word An overview worldview, and um, it got to a point where he was just kind of thrown out of everywhere so he ended up kind of falling in with ultra right wingers and the way he kind of goes on there's times he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast a few times and he goes out of his way to be as shocking as possible with conservative ideas and you can tell there's times where he smiles and times where he breaks like Alex Jones I've seen Alex Jones on Joe Rogan's podcast clearly break up because I think he's a character I don't think Alex Jones is a bad person the way he plays himself. I think he knows well what he's doing and that's why I think he's fucking hilarious. This guy's kind of the same. I think he says stuff intentionally almost daft just to see Joe Rogan go, what the fuck are you talking about? So he's kind of, he's changed how he's perceived nowadays and he's starting a different day. Uh, factions and uh movements and stuff like that that he started as jokes which then became very serious that one called proud boys i don't know much about it but i know he kind of set it up as a sort of male feminist kind of thing or meninist whatever you call it and then it ended up taking off and becoming really serious and he was like okay i'm gonna distance myself from this so i can tell that he, he, he's a troll in a world where trolls aren't able to troll anymore and i think that's kind of hurt but enough about him this is about the movie um The idea is is that he finds out that he has a son. Oh no. He finds out that he's going to have a son. But he also finds out that he's terminally ill. And he decides. Fuck I want to be able to impart wisdom on my son. But I'm also dying. So how am I going to do that? I'm not even going to see him born. So he goes on Craigslist and finds a videographer. And says. Here will you just film me while I record life lessons for my son. About how to be a man. And I'm going to do it because he's going to die. And he's like okay fair enough so it's him and this teenager who are going around and he's essentially giving lessons for his son but they also are imparted onto this teenager and some of them are just fucking nuts some of the shit that goes on in this movie is just insane with the level of drugs some of the shit that he says some of the stuff that he does the nudity and the sex like it pushes so many fucking boundaries but it's side-splittingly funny and i would highly fucking recommend it um, it's a hard enough one to find. It's been on and off Netflix for a while. You can, I think, it might be on the American one, which you can probably find on the VPN. But if you can track it down in any way, shape, or form, I'd highly recommend doing so because it's fucking hilarious. But <laughs> be aware that some some boundaries are going to be pushed with it. Um. After that, then we have. I don't even have these numbered like I said because I, I. I. It probably would have been easier if I numbered them. So what number was that? So five ten. That was eleven. So, at number 12, we have These Final Hours. And this is a fucking fantastic Australian um, sci-fi thriller. Um, essentially, the world has found out that the sun is going to collide with it. Uh, in a, like I think 12 hours or something like that is all they have. So, what a group of people have decided to do is they're going to just throw a huge drug-filled fucking session... And just go out all happy together, and that's that's the idea of this party that's going on. And this guy who's on the way there after, I think, I think he's just broken up with his girlfriend, but he's he's pretty much in a bad way. Uh, he finds this twelve-year-old girl who's about to be attacked and raped and killed by this guy, just in the streets because the streets are just pandemonium now. Because I mean, there's only twelve hours before the world ends, basically. And he ends up saving her and is pretty pretty much intend to bring her to this party so that she can just be with people and safe when this is all going on and that's the basic idea i'm going to give because there's a lot more to it i don't want to talk about um but it is just i am ever being blown away by this one the music in it the the look of it the idea of it the atmosphere the acting just the way it comes together is so fucking brilliant and it's one i actually really want to get my hands on because i was really really impressed with it and it nearly again made it onto the the best list um but it actually suits here better, because not a lot of people know about it. It was on Netflix, I know for sure, so if you can find a movie called These Final Hours on it, definitely give it a look. Really, really smart, really well done. A 13 is one that, again, has its title changed over here. I cannot, for the fucking life of me, understand why. It's a garbage title, and a garbage cover. I did get the Blu-ray, because it was a fiver, uh, and I wanted to have the movie, but fucking hell. Actually, now that I can get American ones, if I can find it cheap, I'll just on that but it's a movie that i know it as Pawn Shop chronicles and it got released over here as hustlers a movie that has a fucking several titles called hustlers over here um and words involving the hustle um but it has a fucking huge cast and here's the here's the problem as well posters for this movie are not good um particularly the uk one um because i mean you've got Brendan Fraser. Elijah Wood. Vincent D'Onofrio. Thomas Jane. Lucas Haas. Chi McBride. Ashley Simpson. Norman Reedus. DJ Qualls. Matt Dillon. Paul Walker. Fucking loads of people. Paul Walker is actually. This is one of the most interesting ones I saw him in. Um, And. The idea of it is. It's three. Small stories. That. Gradually overlap. One of them is. Paul Walker. He's a. Lunatic meth head. And. I actually don't remember what he trades into the pawn shop but he basically is out there to get met and I think it's him and someone else I can't remember who but Norman Reedus who is masked for the entire movie yet on the poster for Hustlers he has a terrible CGI version of his head thrown on it just so they can be like look who's in it he was popular because of The Walking Dead fucking remember him Um, but yeah it's Paul Walker and he's a meth head and I think they're trying to Rob him Or they're they're intent On robbing this guy Actually yeah I think he buys a shotgun From the pawn shop To go rob uh, This meth head Then Vincent D'Ofrio By the way Owns the pawn shop With Shea McBride And that's how All these stories overlap The second story Is um, Matt Dillon Who he goes to the pawn shop With his uh, New fiance To look for a ring And while he's there He sees The ring of his wife Who went missing And decides okay I need to find out who traded this in I'm going to hunt this guy down because I know she was kidnapped and that's his story then kicks off and then the third story is Brendan Fraser who he kind of has a bit of a crossroads sort of situation where he's a totally failing down and out um, what's the word Elvis impersonator and he potentially gets a chance to meet, it, make a deal with the devil so all these stories overlap in really good ways it's really good fucking fun it goes to some seriously nasty violent places. But also goes to some really darkly funny places. There's a lot going on in This it has It's like three different genres lumped together. I loved it. I thought it was a load of fucking fun. And it was done by Wayne Kramer. Who did Running Scared. Which is one of the most underrated fucking movies. Of the, the Naughties. Actually I have to remember. Just make sure his name is actually Wayne Kramer. Because I always mix up with someone else. Yeah Wayne Kramer. Because um, I sometimes mix him up with fucking his Face. Who made Narc. Um. Joe something, I can't remember. Um, Joe Carnahan, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, this one fully recommend it. Um, try if you can get an American version. <laughs> I you don't have to be stuck with that shitty Hustlers cover, but if it, it, it might be online. I know, I know for sure it was on Netflix at one stage. It could have been America, but like I said, assume all of these are available somewhere to find and hunt for them because this one's very very good. Uh, at what am I at? 14? She's I'm going slow here. Uh number 14 is one with Shia LaBeouf called now again this is another one with two titles it's known in America as Charlie Countryman and it's known over here as The Necessary Death of Charlie Countryman. Um, very fucking unusual one. It's himself and I'm not going to remember her name now. Fuck, she's in The Wrestler. <laughs> I don't know why I forgot her name. Allow me to check. Evan Rachel Wood, that's it. Um, Basically, he's uh, come over to uh, Bucharest. Or no, is it Bucharest or Budapest? Which one's in Romania? I think it's Bucharest. Yeah, it is Bucharest. He's basically gone over there for a holiday and he meets eyes with Evan Rachel Wood, who he decides he's fallen for and wants to get with her. But she happens to be the ex of a lunatic drug dealer played by Mads Mikkelsen. And Mad friend is uh, Till Schweiger, who's what's his face in Inglorious Bastards? Not the Bear Jew. Um Jesus, I can't remember his fucking name now. My brain has actually gone to shit at the moment. <laughs> He's in Inglorious Bastards. Hugo Stiglitz, that's who he is. Um, and they're best mates. And it ends up being there's actually a bigger castness than I remember. I don't remember Vincent D'Onofrio or Melissa Leo. Aubrey Plaza, I don't remember in it at all. Or John Hurt, it's fucking lots of people I can't remember in this. Uh, but I do remember Rupert Grint and James Buckley um, from both Harry Potter and Inbetweeners as just two scholarly British lads he meets on the holiday. But it's essentially him really wanting to get with this girl but he has to get through lunatic Mads Mikkelsen in it who goes around with a fucking gun and Hawaiian shirt. So if that doesn't say it, I don't know what will. I remember just being blown away with it. It looks amazing. It's a really good kind of romantic drama as well as a kind of a crime thriller. Amazing score. But I, I'm pissed off about it because this is a movie where for some reason, alright, girls getting ahead in a movie was enough to get it an NC-17 for years. And that was something I was contested against when Blue Valentine came out because Ryan Gosling said there's a scene in that where he goes down on, not Carrie Mulligan. Oh, I can't remember her name. But he goes down on her and the MPAA were like oh, this is practically pornographic we're going to have to give this an NC-17. And he was like uh, have you not seen the amount of fucking teen comedies where girls get give blowjobs and fucking American Pie is people literally spitting jizz out into a cup and all kinds of fucking shit yet they just get thrown with an R rating they're fine. It's like it's ridiculous and it is a form of sexism and it is because I think Boys Don't Cry had the same issue. Uh, girl going down another girl that's enough to get an NC-17 this movie had apparently just due to this scene had an entire portion of the movie cut out because there's a scene with Aurus X in it and immediately it just fades to black and then it's 10 minutes later into the plot and apparently a whole chunk of the movie was taken out because of that scene that leads up to it. How fucking ridiculous is that shit? And it still hasn't been reinserted anywhere else. Uh, The scene I mean nothing else. But i don't understand why it hasn't been released properly unfortunately this is the only way to see it but it is a good way to see it still because it's a fucking fantastic movie so there's just a, an extra bit of trivia as to why the mpaa are stupid fucking horrible cunts so at number 15 is oh this is a fucking bleak one uh this movie called the treatment and i think it's danish uh or it could have been norwegian um it essentially follows a detective who, when he was about nine or so, his brother disappeared and they reckon it was at the hands of this psycho paedophile chap um, who had never been caught and there was no proof of it and whatever else. And he's kind of been living with that horrendous, uh, haunted by that image for years. He kind of sees the, the, the guy around the place in his mind and things like that. And he ends up being put on a case of a nine-year-old who's been kidnapped by this lunatic pedophile guy. So it's him trying to track this guy down. Before something happens to the kid. But this guy behaves very differently. He essentially forces. Actually I don't even want to. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. Because uh, I didn't know where this movie was going to go. When I figured out what was happening. I was like this is fucked up. But he basically has a very different method. For what he does. And it's a race against time. To try save this kid. Who has been kidnapped by this lunatic. And it is just so. Fu- it's one of the most brutal and raw, grim fucking tr- thrillers I've seen in a long time. But it's actually captivating as well. What's What's amazing about the movie is is that this is the kind of thing that can go into exploitative, disturbing, disgusting, obvious, just grim shit like a horror movie. But it doesn't do that. It has a, it'd be like seven. It has that atmosphere of. You know what's going on. You know this is the world that you're in. But you don't necessarily necessarily see a lot of horrendous shit. It's just you know this is the atmosphere and the tone and the drama. And that's what this is like. This is a really raw, gritty fucking movie. But it's fucking really good. It's called The Treatment. And I think it was like 2015 or something when it came out. But it's fucking dark. Um, I would recommend it. But you'd need, a fucking, you'd need to be into those kind of movies to, uh, to be able to stomach it. And I've actually clicked out of the fucking list like a complete dick so give me one second and here we are back in the list yeah so The Treatment uh, I'd highly recommend it but I highly recommend it to a very specific audience if you can handle really tough dramatic shit then definitely go for it um, definitely need to speed up me fucking talking about these movies this happens all the time I keep fucking going off on tangents um, the next is a movie called Land of Mine an amazing Danish movie um, about actually that's the other thing I keep doing and I'm only going to address this now once uh, I keep just listing off the people who are in it you can look these up on IMDB if you're interested in the sound that I'm. I'm just going to explain the plot of them and why they're class so this movie is unless I obviously remember a big actor who's going to be in it um, but it takes place during World War 2 and it's the Danish soldiers who have caught um, a group of the Nazi youth the Hitler youth who were effectively going to be executed but they decided no we're actually going to put these in a program where we're going to teach them how to sweep for mines and they're basically going to sweep up all the fucking mines on all the beaches that were set by the germans and it's about this danish teacher who's involved teaching these kids and they, they form a bond and it's really just fucking interesting and powerful how it's done because it kind of even though obviously the nazis are the bad guys in it they kind of show that just because the, the, the youth who were kind of inducted into it, who who didn't really have a choice, who aren't like like SS leaders, are still spit on and treated like shit. And it's kind of, it sort of turns the tables in that sense. Obviously it doesn't support Nazis in any way. But it just shows that a relatively innocent youth can be inducted into these horrible things. And it's just, it's a really fucking powerful well-made movie. And very tense. Some of the mind-sweeping scenes will fucking close your arse like a fist it is really fucking well done so highly recommend that um, at 17 I think I'm on now uh, or is it yeah 17 this is another well, one, another a German one and I had heard here's the thing about this movie this movie starts off with two genuine health warnings before you watch it due to the strobing imagery and the intense soundscape So naturally I watched it in pitch black with headphones on. Because I wanted to get the full experience. Um, But the first 20 minutes of this movie is ultra intense. And it's called The Nightmare. And it's this group of girls who go to just a drinking session. They're only teenagers. And they take some drugs. And things just start to get a bit out of hand with what this woman is seeing. And Throughout the movie, she, see, she starts to see this little creature that is almost a manifestation of her depression and anxiety and anger and sickness and fear all in one. It looks like this little fat... It looks like the little fucking frog from The Simpsons when they did a Harry Potter piss take episode. And I think Bart's trying to summon something and he can only summon this big fat little goblin that just pukes all the time. It looks like that. Um... But she starts seeing that after the session and there's this whole idea of she might have died at the session, she may not have died at it. Is all this in her head? Is all this really happening? Is she imagining the thing? Can people see it? It's just really fucking odd. The first 20 minutes are full of deafening fucking electronic and heavy kind of music coupled with the most intense strobing I've probably ever seen in a movie and all that together was just totally overwhelming. I was like, this is one of the most hair-raisingly intense things i've seen in a long time but then for the next because it's only short short movie it's only 90 minutes for the next hour while it's really good more is, is just a psychological thriller from then on and it's very unusual some very creepy Im- imagery and the sound in it the, the way the sound kind of goes between the two speakers or in my case headphones and all these unusual noises it's just really trippy and i can see why It came with them warnings. But as a movie, it's not all that shocking or fucked up. There's some really creepy, odd, unusual shit going on in it. But overall, I just thought this is one of the most intense fucking (laughs) 20-minute openers I've ever seen. So The Nightmare, it's well worth watching. Not a lot of people know about it or talk about it. But I highly recommend it. It's a very unusual movie. Um, Now, I mentioned Kidnapped there at the start. But at number 17... Is it? 18? Yeah. No, actually, number 18 is a, another movie that was done in about five 20-minute long takes, and it on 35 millimeter, I should say, as well. And this one blew me away. It's called Too Late, and it stars a fuckload of people, including the late Robert Forster and, of course, the legendary... John Hawks. Fucking hell, I completely forgot something. I know you said John Leguizamo there. Uh, John Hawks, who's just fantastic and everything. This movie's an odd one to kind of pin down, though, because it's kind of a... Uh, a private detective story of a guy trying to find this girl but he's also trying to read or try- solve the murder of this girl sorry um but he's also caught up in a a triangle to potentially find his long-lost daughter and all these different things that are kind of coming together and it's it's quite unusual um but the whole movie is shot in five 20-minute takes and some of the some of the techniques used in this blew my fucking mind how well they did it there's a part, uh, the whole opening of the movie takes place on the hollywood hills right next to the hollywood sign and at one point someone picks up their phone to ring someone and it zooms past them like on an ultra telescopic lens into the city into a building where you can see john hawks answer the phone and it's a legitimate phone call they do between them and i was just sitting there gobsmacked by how well that was done that's before i even realized the whole thing was done in several long takes All the other ones are equally as fascinating. Amazing music in it too. I actually made a playlist on Spotify of the soundtrack. Because it wasn't available. And it's actually. It's probably my most subscribed to soundtrack on there. Like it's fucking fantastic. It's a really interesting drama. I do think that there's some of the side characters weaken it a bit. Because they're not as strong. But all the bits of John Hawkes and his stories. Are just fucking amazing. So it's a really good drama. Amazingly well made. And it is on Netflix. So give it a look. Um. And 19 I might have mentioned this movie when I was doing my best of 2019 Uh, I think I might have mentioned it in passing I'm not too sure but it's a movie that's set in the mid 90s um, and it follows a group of ravers actually I'm pretty I'm fairly sure I did mention it It might have been in my top 20 was it no I don't think it was I can't remember but the movie basically follows these two teenagers who are best friends one of them is kind of comes from a more better family uh, upper class kind of family and the other one comes from a sort of scummy drug dealer family but they're best mates and they both share a love for rave music and this was a real thing that or, 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 i don't know if this was real actually the, the, the actual story that's gone on with these people i don't think is real but i think the idea that rave music was being outlawed at the time in scotland um was a real thing and it's pretty much the two of them finding their way to go to illegal raves That are being held. And there's there's the whole idea of one of them is going to be moving soon. So they kind of have to have one last hurrah. And it's just a really good best friend movie. It does follow a lot of usual tropes that you see a lot of the time. But this is just held together by being really fucking well acted. And you care about the characters as enjoyable. It's set in the 90s. It's in black and white except for the odd bit of red as colour. But it has legit... like You would never guess that this wasn't actually from the 90s. It just feels so authentic of the time it doesn't have to go over the top and just have loads of look at me on the 90s kind of shit the way fucking captain marvel did this just looks and feels like it came out then really fucking loved it it's called beats there was a movie that came out last year with anthony anderson called beats which isn't the same thing so don't mix them up this is a scottish movie and it's unfair actually this is why i mentioned it before actually it's because it was unfairly given an 18 cert because there's a few uses of continent I will never in a million years understand why that word is enough to give a movie an 18s. The movie is actually one of the most positive, upbeat, lovely friendship movies I've seen. Yes, they give it an 18s just because of like, oh, he said bold words. Well, you fuck off? That movie deserves no more than a 15s, if even. So definitely give that one a look. It's called Beats from last year. And I don't know if it, well, I, I literally cannot remember for the life of me if I had that in my best of uh, list. But it, it would have been up there. It would have been fairly high up because i really enjoyed it um and number 20 is cop car a movie with uh that actually has shea wingham in it but it's mainly kevin bacon and it's about these two kids who are about 12 or 13 who find an abandoned cop car and decide to steal it and the cop who owns it is actually a very crooked dirty kevin bacon who's now on the war path to try track them down and get his car back but he's very, very clearly willing to kill these kids at the same time, and it's just a, an interesting pursuit movie. I think it has its flaws for sure, but I remember for the most part just being quite impressed with it. It's very entertaining, there's some really smart scenes. I, lo- I love movies where you just have clever thinking characters. Um, that that's where Shay Wayne comes in because some of the stuff he does in it is just the kind of stuff you look at and go, I'm glad they're doing something outside the box here, I wouldn't have thought of that. I'm glad he is rather than going, He'll probably do this and then he does that, and it's not interesting it's creative and it's smart as i said a bit flawed but they actually the director of that movie went on to do something fairly big i think he actually directed a a fucking superhero movie yeah he actually directed uh, both the new spider-man movies so spider-man homecoming and spider-man far from home he directed so or is involved with at least he directed homecoming and he yeah, he directed Far From Home as well. So, yeah, he's gone on to do something really good. And that's obviously, that's stemmed from that movie. So, definitely give that a look. Uh, number 21 is an odd one as well. Um, this is one with Michael Shannon and Imogen Poots. And it's a, it's a bizarre story. He's like a chef who has a bit of a violent temper. And I'm trying to remember how he gets involved with her. I think he ends up falling in love with her. Or they both fall in love. But she's has ties to this political guy who she's a pretty much a prostitute for and it kind of it sets off a uh, what would be the word it continues to start to come ahead at a head and i just remember being a really interesting kind of love story but it was very dark and not the typical um i suppose romantic drama if you want to it that way i remember had a kind of tense almost crime atmosphere to it, it was done very fucking well um Or like rich business managers. I I don't quite remember the details. I did throw a review of this up. When it came out. uh, On the Crackdrape page. And it's on Letterboxd as well. I think. I've reviews for some of these. Some of these are actually. Before I started keeping. Note of these fucking things. And that's the thing. I wish I started. Keeping proper note of everything. I watched since 2010. So I could have a full decade. Worth of information. Because it's stuff I probably left. Out of this fucking list. And my last list. Because I can't remember. If it was 2009 or not. uh, Because obviously. We got some stuff. Later than America. Um well I, I do have reviews so there is a review for that it's called frank and lola which i don't think i mentioned a minute ago and it stars michael shannon and it's well worth watching at number 22 is a fairly soul-destroying movie and another romantic film that involves the word blue uh this came out not long after blue valentine um could have been two years actually no it was three or four years more than i realized uh sorry for that burp um But it's Mark Duplass who I'll just trust in anything because he's just one of the most convincing fucking dramatic actors out there who who also does comedy. But he's he's good at playing really awkward characters and he just does so in such an authentic way. Um. But it's himself and Sarah Paulson, and it's uh about him in his same small town. He's come to clear out his I think it's his father's house after he died. And while he's in a small town, he runs into an old girlfriend there, played by Sarah Paulson. And the two of them are like, oh, we haven't seen each other in years or whatever. So they decide to just kind of hang out for the night, even though they, she's moved on. She has a, either married or has a fiancé, I can't remember. But they both moved on, but they decide, let's just hang out and kind of catch up. And the whole movie is just about them reminiscing of their old past. And it's just really fucking well done. Really, really fucking sad as well. I, I think I watched that movie... Um, and The void at the same time, and fuck that was a very and I was actually had the flu at the time, and I remember just having the most demented fucking dreams afterwards. But that, that's a it's a sad movie, but it's fucking uh very powerful, very enjoyable, really authentic. A lot of the dialogue you can tell is improvised, uh, it's black and white as well because it, it's the kind of movie that just doesn't require a color. Um, and I just remember being blown away by it. And it's a Netflix original as far as I remember, so it is on Netflix. Blue Jay is the name of it. Give it a watch, if you want a uh, just a sad night in. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know, in a positive sense, if that's uh, at all possible. So that was what was that twenty two? Yeah. At uh, number twenty three is one I got to see at Harathon and I fucking was so surprised because, I mean, the way Horrathon works, sometimes you could be watching two or three great movies in a row. You could be watching two or three shit movies in a row. It all depends. Sort of what you're into, but certain times movies go on. You have to wonder: Is this just on to to get it out of the way, or is this on because it's it's liked by everyone on the panel? This is one I can tell was liked by everyone because it caught me so off guard by how good it was. Um, the premise of it would make you think, okay, this is gonna be just a cheapo, fucking, poorly made, shitty horror movie. The idea is it's a group of annoying, asshole, fucking teenagers. Who are hanging out in a house, and they find an old board game, which is essentially the game of death. Oh, it's called Game of Death, by the way. I think I mentioned that. Um, and what you do is, it's pretty much random. And oh, actually, let's try to remember how this works now. <laughs> I think you basically find out when you're gonna die at the random countdown, and I can't remember what you do to try prevent it. Uh, I think it's like yeah, there's a there's a countdown timer, and it says you're gonna die. If you don't kill. Oh yeah that's what it is. Each person is selected. And it comes up with a number. So if it comes up and says 12. You have to kill 12 people before the timer runs out. Or your head's going to explode. That's the the basic idea of it. And I thought. That sounds fucking daft. But I'll give it a go. And I remember looking at it going. This is really fucking well made. Just the look of it. It kind of has that same. Slow moving cinematography that. It follows had. And I was just looking at it going, this is really nice looking. This is well made. And they ramp up the craziness to a level I never expected. But by the end of it, I was like, this is insane. And it just worked for me so well. I can't find this movie anywhere to fucking buy. I've been trying to get a Blu-ray of it ever since I saw it. And it just doesn't seem to be available anywhere. I don't even think it's streaming anywhere. I just got really lucky to see it at the festival. But whenever it becomes available I'm pretty sure there's a trailer out there as well so you can look it up if you're interested in what it might look like but if you can find this somewhere to watch or somewhere to watch this do it because it's totally unique really bizarre it goes crazy levels there is a speech in it that feels a bit shite but uh, within the context of the movie it works but it just seems really obvious or edgy or something but everything else about it I was just sitting there going this is way better than it has any right to be Uh, It's called Game of Death It pushes a lot of boundaries of uh, Taste Which is always a good thing in my eyes But it it just goes to some fucking seriously crazy levels So Game of Death's fully worth watching Uh, At 24 Is Something I always uh, enjoy a a combination of Is western and horror And this is kind of that It's more of a a thriller But it does have some strange supernatural-esque Kind of stuff going on in it And it's called Brimstone and it follows Dakota Fanning who oh jeez how do I even I have to try and remember this now because this is a bit of a complicated movie with the amount of shit that's going on because it's like a side story as well with fucking Kit Harington uh, trapped in a barn. And it, it comes together very weird but Guy Pierce is essentially this lunatic preacher who is trying to basically get Dakota Fanning and he's been following her throughout her entire life pretty much. And he's willing to kill or do anything to anyone who gets in his way and she's just all the time trying to outrun him but he's always after and it's a that's the best way I can describe it without going too deep into detail with it I remember being very impressed with it it's a it's a long one though it's about two and a half hours Uh, it doesn't feel long though so that's always a good thing but this just I just remember being gripped by it it's very tense there's some bizarrely gory fucking moments in it and intensity um, and it, it very much reminded me of Deadwood there's some stuff in it that felt like it almost was ripping off Deadwood this is after I had watched it so it, it a lot of it was very similar in certain ways but uh, I've been very impressed with it good cast obviously as I mentioned Dakota Fanning um, Guy Pearce Kit Harrington Who's this was just at the Game of Thrones or during Game of Thrones? do I see anyone else I can reckon, remember uh, Carrie's Van Helton as well she's also on Game of Thrones. a bit of a Game of Thrones reunion actually um but yeah it's a a German director called Martin Kuhloven, and I just remember being really impressed with it fully recommend it it is on Netflix as far as I remember give it a look uh at 25 I'm really fucking rushing through these see I, I've i I've learned well I haven't actually learned at all from my mistakes because how long have I been doing this I've already been doing it 90 minutes so I wanted to have this done by now and I'm only just over halfway through but I, I I've less here to cover than I do when I was doing my fucking uh my top 100 because i really went on too long with those but i'm flying through these and the reason i say it is i'm more just recommending these movies for you to watch rather than reviewing them all even though i've been reviewing every fucking one i started talking about um but up next at number 25 is an irish made but set in either america or canada i don't remember which um but a bizarre sort of sci-fi horror movie called i am not a serial killer And it follows a teenager who, actually, I just remembered his fucking name is Max Records. Um, But he's a troubled teenager who's obsessed with serial killers and believes that the friendly old man next door, played by Christopher Lloyd, is a serial killer or something potentially worse. Very unusual. It's that typical kind of uh, suspicious of the next door neighbor kind of plot and no one believes you kind of thing. But this goes some really interesting unique ways and some revelations are given early on which I think is smart because instead of just having the whole is he or isn't he thing you get a fairly definitive answer early on and then you have to wonder where it's going to go from there. And I just thought it was really unique really smart and while it kind of has a, an obvious enough sort of climax uh, the journey getting there is fucking really good really smart. And it's very tense. And I, that was one thing I remember picking up on is... Oh, excuse me. I'm very burpy today. I'm like a fucking baby. Um, but I remember picking up on just how tense it was all the way through. Like, so, some of the fucking scenes that are approaching near the end are nail-biting. And it's so fucking well done. So I Am Not a Serial Killer. Highly recommended. Uh I've mean, been to get the Blu-ray for that for a while, actually. But I wasn't sure about the artwork. The artwork kind of makes it look like a shitty black metal album. So... I'd rather get a, the original poster, which I think looks deadly. But yeah, it's, it's Irish produced, I think. Uh, I don't know where it was the director or it was just the producers. But there's an Irish actor in it as well from Dublin, so it also sounds a bit unusual to hear. But uh, yeah, definitely recommended that one. Uh, the next one is a Japanese one. This is at number 26, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, This was a fucking seriously good movie. It's an over two hour Japanese manga zombie movie essentially it was based on a originally based on a manga which turned into this and it follows this manga artist who is him and a bunch of his mates who live in a an apartment studio apartment kind of thing and they create manga uh a zombie apocalypse happens while they're in there working and now he's on a mission to i think save the woman he loves at one point uh but just also survive the apocalypse and this movie is just so unique with their take on zombies a whole lot of it is also set in Korea, um but it, instead of just a the typical they're fast zombies or slow zombies or i don't even know what else like they, they, they just went really outside the realm of normal zombies in that the zombies remember things they used to do or used to be so you'd have a zombie who let's say it's some old lad who's been mowing his lawn for fucking mowing his lawn what are we talking about i sound like such an american jesus i actually apologize for sounding like that cut the fucking grass in his garden is what i meant to say i'm watching too many fucking american movies um but let's say as i said an owl out there cut the grass he has that memory so the zombie would have the action of cutting the grass kind of built into his head and that plays into a lot of the characters in this it's done it's, it's or a lot of the zombies i should say it's very well written it's ultra fucking gory some of the maddest fucking over-the-top comic violence i've seen in years is in this it's kind of it's weird it's you get this with a lot of asian cinema in that about 50 fucking genres are thrown in your face and they all commit to all of them so there's times where it's really kind of sweet romantic kind of comedy almost and then it's intense horror and then it's kind of fun horror and then it's an action film and it's all this shit mess together really well with some brutal fucking zombie violence. And it's just very unique and clever. It's called I Am A Hero. And I fully recommend it. And it, like I said it's quite long. It's about 2 hours 10 minutes maybe. Which is unusual for the the average zombie movie. If it's not a George R. Romero one. so. Uh, but yeah definitely give that a look. I Am A Hero. Uh, but enough about me. At number 27. Yeah. Uh, is one that actually was made straight for. Or. Put straight to Netflix. And I think it deserved a lot better. But I can also understand why it was put straight to Netflix. And it's a really good thriller called Wheelman. Which stars Frank Grillo. Uh, The gimmick of this movie. Which feels like a gimmick for a few minutes. And then you realise actually works. Ridiculously fucking well. Is that the entire movie takes place inside this car. Everything is shot from inside the car. And. A lot of it is done with really legitimate great fucking dialogue and this is this is when I really got to see how good an actor Frank Grillo is because he's so authentic in this movie and it adds to the drama so much where he's involved in a heist that goes wrong and he's basically the wheelman man for the heist and you're seeing it all from his perspective as well as his daughter potentially being kidnapped and it's all t- it's like that movie uh, Luck the one that came out with Tom Hardy where the whole movie is him driving to somewhere and every bit of the drama you find out in the movie is through him on the phone so he, could, he like he has to quit his job at the start of it because something's come up and then he has to talk to his wife and all these different things are happening and you're learning about this character and his life and what he's done and what he's going to do through the phone calls this is the same only it's also an intense thriller and fucking hell it works brilliantly I think Frank Grillo's Savage in it you have Shay Wingham in there as well and uh, I can't remember his name now your man Kyle something not mclaughlin um not chandler either why do i have that in my head my head ah it'll come back to me Uh, but (laughs) when it doesn't matter but he's in deadwood he's in loads of fucking stuff um he's fucking brilliant in this uh he's only in it briefly as well but like you've got all these names coming in it all ties together fucking brilliantly they actually make this thing being set in the car work fantastically it has some creative cinematography as a result of that and to try pull off intense action scenes while trapped inside a car is very impressive. Because like I said, with luck, it's all conversations. It's not necessarily too taxing on the cameraman. Whereas this goes for some really interesting, difficult stuff. So I'd highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. Wheelman. Give it a look. <sighs> At number 28. Getting there. Getting there. Not too far now. Is um, one by a director who I might have mentioned his other movie uh, that I watched the Golden Glove, just a nasty, ugly fucking uh, horror movie, similar to the house that Jack built, only with a lot more smelly, drug, horrible old women. Uh, but it's uh Fatty Akin. I think you say his name. But this is a movie he made. This is the first of his movies I saw, and it fucking blew me away. Uh, it's called In the Fade, and it follows. I think it's a Diane Kruger, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Diane Kruger. Um, it's a German movie, obviously, and the the title of the movie actually comes from the probably my favorite Queens of the Stone Age song, and Josh Homme actually wrote some of the music for this movie, so there's a, a direct connection there, uh, and it was also featured in like a bar scene, some of his other mu- music, but the idea is, she's, I don't know what she is, is, she an artist or a businesswoman or something, but her husband, um. And her son are wrongfully killed in a terrorist attack in the middle of the village. It's a suicide bombing. Uh, presumably because I think the husband is Muslim and they thought he was involved in something else. So she decides to go on the war pass trying to find out the two people who were involved with this attack and get her revenge. And it's really unique, really smart, really fucking tense. There's great courtroom drama stuff in it as well. Kind of, It almost feels like three halves. It's like a serious drama, grief kind of movie for the first half hour then an amazing courtroom drama, which I'm always interested in. they're, they're just some of the most well, some some of my favorite genres, I should say, because they're always so well written and put together in a, in a good way. And if they if the if the court and the the lawyer action, let's say, is done well, it just it just makes for some amazing viewing. This has all that, but also then has intense revenge trailer, and all of it fucking comes together so well. This was actually very close to being one of my favorites of 2017 um i absolutely adored it i think it only got a blu-ray release recently and i know it's on netflix um so definitely give it a look but it's it's tough going for a while but it's absolutely just fucking excellent it's called oh god this is how i know i need a drink of water when i start getting the normally it's a morrissey sounding voice but it sounded like fucking johnny vegas there um but yeah it's one fucking highly well oh god as as I said Johnny Vegas. My whole brain turned to shit. I don't know whether that's a connection or not. But. What I'm trying to say is. In the Fade. Fantastic fucking movie. Available on Netflix or. Wherever else. Definitely give it a look. Totally overlooked as well. Because like I said as well. My whole point for doing this. list Is these movies. That I don't think get enough attention. And I don't think they do. Some of these movies were popular enough. At festivals and whatever else. But I don't hear anyone fucking talking about. Basically everything I've mentioned so far. So. Check them all out when you get a chance. Um. The next movie. After I take a sip of this fucking water. Ah that's the stuff. Although now I spilled water all over the ground. So I'm going to actually pause this. And uh, <laughs> come back in a sec. Okay now that that's fucking cleaned up. Uh, we can move on to number 29. Which you now the screen has gone off. Where is it? Yes. Uh, so this movie. Is technically fucking shite. Um, because the acting is. Almost unwatchable, it's so bad. And the characters are immediately hateable. To the point where I was like, I will I even be able to stick this out? I hate these characters so much. But oh my god, am I glad I did, because after ten minutes, this movie turns into one of the most crazy ultra fucking gory, mean spirited, vicious horror movies, which is bordering on dark comedy. It's called Downrange and it's about a bunch of college students who are carpooling together on the way to their new campus. So they all don't know each other at all, learn about each other and whatever else. And on a big stretch of highway that or it's not even highway. It's just a back road where no one goes because they decide to go the scenic route. Their tire is blown out somehow. And then they discover that there's actually a lunatic sniper hiding up in a tree, picking them off and tormenting them. And it's by is it Rio or Rio? Kinamura I think that's how you say his name let me have a look at it and see or Ryuei uh, Kitamura I think that's how you say his name I, I could be wrong there uh, now this is a movie that originally came to Shudder but I went out of my way to get the German Blu-ray because I loved it that much um, the reason I say it's terrible is because like I said the, the characters and the actors are so bad I was like I don't know if I'm going to manage this but as soon as they start getting killed off and just how merciless this movie is in terms of violence the practical effects and just the audacity of the situation i had a fucking blast watching it it uh it also looks really nice that's another thing that's about. it's a good looking movie but this is something i mentioned before in that you have drone shots in certain parts this is when drone camera quality was low so that the the dip in quality was really noticeable you see with gopros and other movies where you've really good even if it's digitally shot really nice looking good quality camera and suddenly it's pixelated fucking gopro footage so it it has that sort of problem in that way um but otherwise this is just fucking tremendous fun it's called downrange it's an absolute blast if you just want to watch asshole people you don't give a fuck about get blown away in sort of most creative and violent ways possible then this is going to be an absolute treat for you because it just escalates to such a point that i was like this is preposterous and i'm loving every second of it so and again th- them being such cunty characters and the shitty acting just makes you go i can't wait until their fucking hands and head are blown off <laughs> so you can look forward to that um so yeah number 29 downrange um geez I'm getting there I'm, I'm actually i've only got 11 left and then see this is a good thing this is why i'm glad i didn't do 50 because i've had another fucking 25 to do or 20 to do it'll be a long one but it, this this will push two hours maybe but Fuck it, I haven't had a long one in a while. I've been good, so I'm treating myself. And treating you, actually, hopefully. Um, but up next is probably one of the sweetest and loveliest movies that I got to see a couple of years ago that caught me totally off guard as well because I was not expecting this kind of movie. Uh, it's called Brigsby Bear. Uh, it follows this kind of man-child adult who... He lives in what he believes to be a bunker that's there for his own safety. And his dad, played by Mark Hamill, has been keeping him there uh, ever since he was a kid and to, to prevent him from the poisonous air outside. And the only kind of comfort and solace he's ever had in his life is a, a children's TV show called Brigsby Bear. And he's the biggest fan of Brigsby Bear ever. He watches it all the time. There's always new episodes. He it goes on forums and blogs about it. And talks to people about Briefly Barron. It's, it's just his, his absolute obsession. Um, and obviously this isn't to spoil the movie. Because this is what it's about. But the bunker gets raided by the police. And it turns out that. He's not actually the son of Mark Hamill. But in fact he was kidnapped as a baby. And they basically raised him. And kept him there in isolation. So none of what they've said was true. About the outside world. And as a result there is no more Brigsby Bear for him to watch. Because he's now in the real world where Brigsby Bear doesn't seem to be available. So he's desperate to f- go on the hunt and find Brigsby Bear and be able to watch more episodes. But he feels like a lost cause so he decides to, now with the help of his real family who he's been reunited with and some friends of them. He wants to set out and create his own finale for Brigsby Bear. And it is just one of the most endearing, upbeat, lovely movies that you are ever likely to watch. Um, another close contender to actually make it into my top 100. But uh, it just barely missed out. And I, I just fucking absolutely adored it. Really fucking good cast, actually. I'm going to mention the cast for this one because it's actually fairly big. Um, let me see. So Kyle Mooney's the main guy. who He's a comedian who apparently just wrecks people's heads for some reason. I don't know. I enjoyed him in this. Uh, Claire Danes is in it Mark Hamill Greg Kinnear Andy Samberg and what's the other guy's name I can't remember Oh, Tim Heidecker has an appearance in it as well so it's basically a, a filmmaking movie and I mentioned before how much I love those kind of movies I was talking about Dolomite my name before they're just always so upbeat and fun and it's all about camaraderie and all this kind of stuff and I just find them some of the most enjoyable movies you're ever going to watch and this one takes a really unique approach at making that possible so, Bringsby Bear, fully recommend it. Give it a look as soon as you can. Now, I have 10 left. I probably won't be able to do them a minute each, but I'll see how well I do. So, at number 30, I think, no, 31, is really fucking good one as well that I only saw at a festival that I think might be on the American Shudder. But I don't think I've seen a Blu-ray for it anywhere, or available anywhere else. And that is a fucking mental body horror movie called Patchwork. And the idea is these three women who were set up on... I think they're set up on blind dates to go to this bar. um, Are suddenly knocked unconscious and they all wake up realising that they've been stitched into one person. So this is one body with three minds (laughs) all together in one. It's a very reanimator style kind of horror comedy. And the way they actually manifest that is, is by having all three of the real women standing there talking to each other, but it's actually really going on in her head. And it's just absolutely fucking bananas. And I, I can't remember the girl's name, but she puts in a serious performance because it's all causes the one body kind of portraying most of the action. I think it's Tori Stolfer, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. She plays all three women at once pretty much. And it is bananas. There's a guy named Tyler McIntyre. He actually was over for Horizon. uh, For the movie he did after this. Tragedy Girls. Which is good crack. But this one I just thought was a blast. It's so fucking over the top and. (laughs) Fucking hell. My throat has gone mad today. Over the top and daft. And it just goes to so many unusual fucking extremes. And it's silly and actually has some laugh out loud moments as well as some really well orchestrated action scenes one of the most bizarre sex scenes you're ever going to fucking see and it's just I I had an absolute blast with it no one is talking about this movie I don't know if it even has physical release if it is on Shudder and you have a VPN give it a go I'm pretty sure it was on the American because I I did a list of stuff on Shudder there for the crack Trail Instagram and I might have mentioned it but definitely give this a look it's a lot of fun and it's just fucking bananas um and there's an L cat in it. Which you'll, you'll understand when you see it. Um, so at number 32. Is a fucking. Superb movie that. I remember I actually went to the cinema. With friends who don't even like horror. And they love this movie. And it's a movie called You're Next. Which is sort of it's own. Piss take nearly. On the slasher genre. And this is by two lads. So let's try and remember their fucking names again. Um. Adam Wingard although the other guy I think the other guy only wrote it but Adam Wingard anyway who went on to do The Guest and what else did he fucking move on to he was involved with Blair Witch and a few others like he's he's, he's been doing big things now he's doing well but this movie just completely flips on its head the the typical home invasion slasher genre uh, because for the first 20 minutes or so minutes it's sort of it's just leading to be the same old, same old. You've seen it a million times before. Home Invasion, Twitter. But it flips everything on its head. When the people in the house start fighting back. Or at least one of them. The sharni Vincent. Who I think was in Neighbours or Home and Away. Or whatever the Australian soap opera is. And it just completely... Everything you think you know about these movies is completely fucked with. So... ...in a typical movie where this one thing would happen... ...this movie decides to go... ...no we're going to have the rug pulled from an easier feet ...and throw this in at you... ...and she's going to react this way to this... ...when she'd normally react like that... ...and it just... ...I think it's just one of the most creative horror movies... ...of the decade for sure... ...I actually thought... ...and this is again why... ...I'm annoyed at this fucking... uh, ...the last list I did when I left out... ...Cloud Atlas and Untouchables... ...this would have actually been in my top... uh, ...100 of the decade... ...this was a very close contender... I just forgot about it um, and I added it to this list so yeah I need to be more thorough on my lists (laughs) so I've started this decade in 2020 so I'm gonna be very thorough in 2030 when I do my fucking decade list then if I'm fucking still around doing this shit but yeah You're Next from Adam Wingard one of the most enjoyable horror comedies completely unique and subverts all expectations in the best way I can highly recommend it and I think on Netflix so give it a go Uh, up next is a really fucking good slow downbeat it's on the edge of horror I'd I'd call it more of a thriller but it's a movie called The Clove Hitch Killer and it kind of it follows a similar sort of idea to I'm Not A Serial Killer but uh, I'm Not A Serial Killer kind of goes a bit more supernatural uh, direction I guess um, or at least in the way people are perceived in it Um, but this one is very direct of a teenager who believes his dad might be an infamous serial killer known as the Clove Hitch Killer. And he's secretly trying to piece together the evidence with the help of a new girl in town. Who I think... Is it the girl from Stranger Things? I have to try and remember that. No, no, it's not Stranger Things. Because she's older. What the fuck is it? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fuck, I knew it was there. Uh, She plays one of the Manson girls Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she's opposite Charlie Plummer. And it's the two of them trying to figure out if his dad, Dylan McDermott, is this serial killer. And it's just really, really interesting how they put it together. And it always has you guessing Through You're always constantly wondering, fuck, is this guy actually who they think he is? Or are they just speculating? And I mean, like, it's it's an idea you've seen a million times before. But this goes a really fucking smart way about it. I was really impressed by what they did with it. One of the first movies I actually watched... Actually, I think it was the first 2019 movie I watched. I think it came out in 2018 in America. And it was then available online in 2019. And it was the first film of the year I watched last year. And it was a, a strong contender uh, for being in the top 20. It just barely missed out. But very, very strong. Very, very smart. Goes a lot of directions you won't expect. And it's just brilliantly acted. And it looks great too. I, I can't remember if it's shot on film. But it's really, really nice cinematography in it. So... The Clove Hitch Killer. If you can track it down. Give it a watch. Really impressed with it. Actually I think. The Red Letter Media lads. Did a, a brief episode on it as well. Because they were impressed with it. So. There you go. Um This next one. I mentioned in my. Best of 2019. List. And I was reluctant. To put it in this. Um But because. It's still so fucking unknown. Even though it's a, it was. One of my favourites of that year. I decided to include it. And that is. The standoff at Sparrow Creek. Now I've mentioned it several times before it's a group of militia lads who hear uh, of an attack on a police station and they meet up to try to figure out who might have done it and then they realised one of their weapons from their armoury is missing so it's a sort of uh, I need to say cat and mouse but I can't think of the fucking word for it now I suppose it's a whodunit in this warehouse where they're trying to figure out which one of these lads could have potentially gone off and done this terrorist attack because it had to be one of them because no one else knows about the weapons there it's just really clever brilliantly written tense almost reservoir dog style one location thriller and i adored it It was one of my favorites of that year same producers as the likes of bone tomahawk and dragged across concrete so you know you're in fucking very good hands highly recommend it i know there's a blu-ray oh great it's a fucking american blu-ray of that and i'm gonna buy it now that i can god the amount of doors that have been opened with fucking multi-region is unbelievable um because it doesn't seem to have a release here yet i don't know why it deserves one but i'm i'm actually gonna order that now because <laughs> i fully forgot about it so savage picking that up uh but yeah stand off at spiral creek at number what is that F- 20 or 34 yeah 34 um number 35, I think I mentioned briefly before because I was talking about The Grudge, which is one of the biggest pieces of shit that I've seen in a long time. It's actually still the worst 2020 movie I've seen so far this year. Um, and I don't know much that could actually top it, to be honest. It's really fucking garbage. But it's by Nicholas Pesh, who made Piercing, which is a really unique serial killer movie um, which has Mia Wasikowska in it, but also Christopher Abbott, who's one of the most... Interesting fucking directors or sorry, actors that I have seen in years. Um I think he gives 110% all the time. He's really good. In this, he plays a guy who believes his baby has told him to go on a killing spree and kill prostitutes, so he hires Mia Vasakovska. Um but things go very wrong. That's the best way I can put this movie. It's a mad psychosexual psychological horror, and I love a particular scene in this where he's practicing. How exactly he's going to kill her. I just thought it was one of the smartest fucking scenes I've seen in ages. Plus the whole soundtrack is full of jallo music and it has really interesting uh, I suppose cardboard cutout animated stuff going on in it. It's really unique. Uh, so Piercing by Nicholas Pesh. This is on Netflix. I know it was. It went c- came and went in one day, but then I think it's come back. So give that a watch. Um at number thirty six is A movie that doesn't have any right being as sombre and nice and dramatic as it was because of the title. But it's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. Now a title like that makes you think you're going to be in for a crazy Grindhouse style Sharknado level stupid fucking banana shite. That's not at all what you get. It's a movie with Sam Elliott who... D- this is basically his life he spent his whole life as a war hero and doing all sorts and he's basically been called in to take out the Bigfoot <laughs> like that's that's essentially what the idea of it is but the whole movie isn't just him going to kill Hitler and then kill the Bigfoot this is just about him reflecting on his life and his relationship with his brother and an old love that he once had back in the day and it's re- it's really just a powerful drama movie and it's so odd and not at all what i expected um and i think the title does hurt it but i mean it's not wrong (laughs) i don't know what i would actually call it because if if you were to watch it without that title you'd be like hang on why the fuck is there a big foot in this um but i think that i think it's a disarming title i think it's to make you think you're going to see something but it gives you something a lot better acted and more serious than you'd expect and it's no surprise because sam elliott is fucking top class and like i said with one glance he stole an entire movie before with uh, stars born so with him on your side as well as some nice enough cinematography and just a really just unique premise you're, you're in for a treat so the man who killed hitler and the Bigfoot, give it a look tickets on netflix not sure And number 37 we have one of the most unnerving kind of a horror movie more of an extreme psychological thriller uh called possum and it follows... I'm never going to remember his cunt's name. I forgot his name before and I spent an hour trying to remember it. It's Sean something anyway. Sean Harris. Um, You're following him as he... He's a child's puppeteer. And he comes back to his old childhood home. And where his stepfather lives. And... He, oh, it's, it's hard to describe. He basically has triggered an extreme... Um psychological trauma in himself upon returning home and his idea of what's real and what isn't real becomes very warped and he potentially might be involved in the abduction of a small boy as a result but this has some insane serious psychological imagery disgusting kind of uh uh, what would be the word um hinting is the word coming to mind but i can't think of it there's a there's a better word for um, suggestion i suppose or suggestive ideas uh, and just some really intense dark spider imagery some of the fucking puppet scenes in this are really unnerving and creepy and just odd and the whole movie is shot on 16 millimeter and it just makes such a fucking difference to the tone and atmosphere i had no idea where it was going to go i was really fucking impressed with it sean harris is always good anyway but this is just a creepy dark sinister fucking movie but it's well well worth a watch uh it's called possum and it came out in 2018 so if you want a a dark night in give it a go i realize a lot of these movies are they, they're either really upbeat or are really fucking dark <laughs> there's very little in between but uh a couple of more dark ones and then we'll, we'll be onto the more upbeat so at Twenty eight is a Chinese movie called Dream Home, and I'm pretty sure that came in in the right amount of time. Yeah, two thousand ten. Jesus, for a second I thought it was two thousand nine. Um, crazy fucking movie about this woman who finds her dream home, and you know, she's she's lived in poverty for years. She wants to be able to move her very ailing father into this nice luxury apartment in Shanghai that overlooks the sea or overlooks the, the lake not the lake why can't i think of the word uh the harbor the river whatever the fuck it's called it's basically a nice apartment uh but the price is way too high so her only method of driving down the price is to commit an extreme act of brutal murder upon a lot of the residents that live there so that people won't want to buy the place and she'll be forced to uh to get the house at a more reasonable price. And it's about her. Mission to do that. <laughs> and. It's about as extreme as it sounds. Because she does some fucking. Horrendous fucking stuff. Uh, in this movie. Um, I don't want to say what. I don't want to reveal any of them. But like it does go to very. Almost dark comedy. Slapstick levels of gory craziness. Um, but it, it just is totally fearless. And what's kind of funny is. It is censored. It's either China or Japan. I think Japan are the ones that... They tend to censor genitals of any kind. But there's a scene in this involving genitals... And it's censored. And I thought... You're not allowed to see genitals... But you're allowed to see all the extreme gore. It's a bit fucking daft. But yeah, this one... It's it's over the top. It's crazy. It's a lot of fun. And it's brutal. There's some stuff in this that is... Fucking... Dark. One bit involving a Hoover. I won't explain why. But... When you see it, you'll know. It is just... Grim and that's what i loved about it this film had pulled no punches it was fearless and it adds a lot to the story by being so so dream home well worth a look and we're down to the last two finally um at number 39 i wonder if i've messed the numbers up at this stage i used to miss the numbers up all the time but fuck it who cares at number 39 is a movie that if you were to watch it in a double bill with Mean Creek, you would get a very, very, very similar atmosphere and you'd have an extremely bleak night in if you watched the two of them. This is a movie called Super Dark Times, which I I did see it until last year. I was hoping, I wish I saw it sooner because I'd heard about it. I know there's a nice German Blu-ray out there as well. Um, but the basic idea is a group of teenagers are hanging out and one has a weapon with him and things get out of hand with the teenagers and ends up with one of them dying that's the best way I can put it uh, without spoiling or revealing too much um, and now it's about what these kids are going to do to keep this a secret and how it's all going to work out and it's it's very similar plot wise to mean Creek, um, but with less of a build up to the accidents or anything like that it's, it's, it's very different in this movie but the tension is ramped up to a million in this. There's there's points in it where I was near passing out with the tension. I do think the actual plot of the movie weakens in the final act, but everything up until up until then is just nerve shreddingly tense, and it's brilliantly done, and it's dark, and it's it, it's handled so fucking well, and the acting is phenomenal from all the kids involved too. And one thing I loved about it is I. I remember feeling like I had an atmosphere of something that didn't feel like today. And from what I can tell, it felt like it was the mid-90s, early 90s that it set in. But it, again, doesn't go out of its way to be like, look, it's the 90s. I just figured it out because they weren't using phones and the type of TV that they had. It doesn't go out of their way to say what year it is or have music from the time or anything like that. It just You just pick up on it from the atmosphere and it's done so fucking well. Um... So yeah, that's one I'd highly recommend. It is on Netflix as well, but fucking hell, it is really tense. Um, well worth a look to, but it's again, it's not... I think while I enjoy the writing throughout the whole thing, there is a point in it where I was a bit like, this is a bit silly, but I'm still really enjoying it, so it didn't really matter to me at the time. But yeah, Super Dark Ties at number 39. And finally, uh, something super light, or reasonably light, is a fucking tremendous movie. That doesn't get nearly enough attention. And it's very hard to fucking find. And it's absolutely tremendous. Called Before I Disappear. It's a movie by a guy named Sean Christensen. I think is his name. Try to get that right. Uh, Yes. Sean Christensen. This movie caught me so fucking off guard. And. Blew me away. Apparently it was actually based on an Oscar winning short he did. I didn't even realise it had won an Oscar but I can see why. Uh, it's one he called, did, made called Curfew and the idea of Curfew is he's given the task to look out. He's basically a suicidal drug addict in New York who's given the task to look after his, his niece for a couple of hours while his wife has to do something. And Tim him hanging out with her and they kind of have a bit of a life lesson sort of thing and it's kind of sweet really nice thing. The movie decides to add a more expansive plot as to why he's on drugs and who he's involved with and ron perlman has a bit of a, a look in there as well but the basic idea is the same that he's a suicidal drug addict who now is in charge of looking after his daughter or his um niece for the day or for the night and it's all the kind of situations they get into but it's really just i thought it was really powerful really nice it's quirky in a good way there's a moment in it that i think in the wrong hands could have been agony if, if you had the wrong director doing this kind of because it's a musical interlude kind of thing if you had the wrong director behind this it would have been painful to sit through but they did it so well loads of charm to it and i was just blown away and sean is a lead actor so he's directing and acting in it and he does a fucking fantastic job i really enjoyed it it's criminally underrated it definitely deserves to be seen more or by more people and i i know virtually everyone who i could recommend it to would enjoy it um if you're into those kind of it is a drama but it's, it's more of a dark comedy and it's bittersweet kind of stuff in it and here's the thing about it though there there's a a particular character moment which I'd, I'd recommend looking at the short too I think the short I saw on vimeo um but there's a character moment that they changed for the movie script uh which still works but it's, it's, it's a bit more of a heroic idea whereas in the original, Uh, short film i think it's a much more realistic and better idea when you watch the two of them you'll know what i'm talking about but uh overall i think before i disappear is a fucking fantastic film and it is the reason i made this list so when i said i didn't have any order to list this or to this list uh i lied the first 39 movies were out of order but i intended to finish on this one because when i was thinking about it i said i might do a list of five or ten movies or i might just do a special episode on this movie talking about it and then worry about another list later but what ended up happening was i came up with a list of 40 movies i said i'm going to finish on this because this is the main one i wanted to talk about so before i disappear this is quite literally because i'm about to finish the podcast as well definitely check out that movie it's ultra enjoyable and it's unique and it's interesting and deserves way more praise and attention and um, i'm glad the movie won or the, the short film won an oscar it's a shame it didn't propel him more though you think people who do make an oscar winning a new short film might move on to do something even bigger uh, and it's unfortunate he didn't but he did do another he did a crime movie last year or the year before called the vanishing of sydney hall i haven't watched it yet but i'm on board because it's him doing it but yeah before i disappear fantastic uh i'll do as i usually do a quick recap of all the movies that i mentioned there um just to keep it in mind uh so that if you got this far and you don't have to scroll back here's what it is and i am going to post this on the the page after a few days as well so you can uh search them out so at uh, number one robot and frank at number two seven days at number three kidnapped at number four i melt with you at number five wild bill at number six the battery at number seven disconnect at number eight the dirties at number nine beyond the black rainbow at number 10 the double at number 11 how to be a man at number 12 these final hours at number 13 pawnshop chronicles or the bullshit title of hustlers at number 14 is the necessary death of charlie countryman at number 15 which i don't know if i said the fucking name of this movie this is the really bleak uh german or danish wherever the fuck it is pedophile hunting movie it's called the treatment um was Fifteen At number 16, Land of Mine. At number 17, The Nightmare. At number 18, Too Late. At number 19, Beats. At number 20, Cop Car. At number 21, Frank and Lola. At number 22, Blue Jay. At number 23, Game of Death. At number 24, Brimstone. At number 25, I Am Not a Serial Killer. At number 26, this kind of actually responds to that last movie, is I Am a Hero. At number 27 is Wheelman number 28 is in the fade and number 29 is downrange and number 30 is brigsby bear and number 31 is patchwork and number 32 is Dear next number 33 is the clove hitch killer number 34 is the standoff at sparrow creek and number 35 is piercing and number 36 is the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot and number 37 is possum and number 38 is dream home and number 39 is super dark times and a number 40 before i disappear so hopefully that wasn't too fast for you do check out all these movies. Obviously, I recommend them all. If if you've heard of none of them, then tremendous. Although you might have heard me mention some of them in other podcasts. But that means check all these out. If you have heard of them, let me know what you think of them. And how many have you seen? If you've seen all of them, then deadly. Let's discuss. <laughs> uh, but until then, thank you for listening this far. It was a long one, but not as long as my usual. So I'm quite proud of that. Um, and... I did actually spiel on that lot of this there So I could have actually done this in a bit of a shorter time, but fuck it. You've heard it now. I hope you seek these movies out. I recommend all of them. And yeah, until the next time. I'm not gonna say when it is, I don't know when it's gonna be. This has me absolutely bollocks as well, uh unlike the usual podcast, so <laughs> although last time I was quite tired as well, but this one's just uh, it's tough being sick. Um But yeah, until the next time, you're all absolute cons. Goodbye.